This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is gathering up the reins for the home straight. Now, the sense of euphoria after the Everton game from the Chelsea faithful was palpable. So much better than Discord, eh? On paper, this was our toughest game in the run-in, and after a cagey start, a rather disinterested Everton were summarily dispatched with world-class goals from Pedro, Cahill, Koff and Willian. Uh, coupled with an excellent win against Southampton in midweek, Chelsea are showing the kind of resolve needed to fend off the challenge from Spurs that refuses to subside. Four games left, three of them at home, nine points needed. Ladies and gentlemen, we are nearly there, aren't we? Anyway, I am Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is... The Chelsea fancast closer. Now, uh, well, I know that not even a funny one this week. I, I, I'm, I'm all at all a Twitter, not not as in the social media sense, but uh, it's uh, it's it is squeaky bum time. Now, uh, I've got some guests here. Uh, I can't guarantee whether any of them uh, <clears throat> have got squeaky bums. Uh, one one of them might have a squeaky voice. Uh, but the first guest, of course, is the voice of adverts on TalkSport, and many would say the voice of Chelsea Fancast. If he did, I would obviously get him uh, whacked. But uh, no, <laughs> that aside, that aside, it's a lovely, lovely welcome to uh, a man who was actually at Goodison Park on uh, on Sunday, Mister Kid. Yeah, I, I ventured, I ventured out mm. there, and uh, joyous it was, other than the journey, which. Uh, um, down to Virgin Trains was uh, uh, absolutely dire, and I uh, spent um, the whole of the way up there lying on, the, at least in first class, um, lying on the floor, failing to get a seat due to a series of cock-ups by the people that I'd gone with, who insisted that we were, had reserved seats and we hadn't, 
and we got turfed out by a rather large couple of Chelsea fans who had reserved tickets. So, uh, but mm. once I got there, the uh, the uh, they will get onto it. But the, uh, the the singing, the 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 response from the crowd was just phenomenal, phenomenal support. Mm. I just completely the joy also of going there was was superb. It was worth putting up with uh, with the dreadful journey. Jonathan, you're so right. There, there is nothing. There is nothing like uh, Chelsea's away. There is nothing like Chelsea's away support. It was, it, it, it was ever thus, I think. But uh, it's nice to see that in this modern world, that 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 wonderful tradition still continues. And I'm very envious <coughs> that you, you were there. Well done that you were. Uh, another person uh, that was there, of course, is the the loveliest, lovely person on the fan cast, which of course is always uh, the girl who likes bald, Ms. Alexandra Churchill. With my squeaky voice. <laughs> well, I wasn't necessarily impugning your your voice. It was just I was no, just no, putting no. it out there, you know, putting it out there. A little bit there, but no, I, I well, it will get into why my voice is so squeaky later on. In part, okay. Later. <laughs> uh, well, that means that if your voice is not squeaky and Jonathan's is not squeaky, I wonder whose bum is squeaking. I know mine is, but I know, I know for a fact that my last guest. Is a man who has far more far far more intelligence and uh, decorum for his bum to ever squeak because he's seen it all before, uh, and he is the wonderful. We've missed this man. He's not been on the show for ages and ages and ages. But I'm really delighted that we've got the lovely Dan Levine back in the house. I can confirm I'm squeaking at both ends. So mm. oh, okay, Dan. That worries me, you know, because as I said, I mean, you know, you 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 really have seen it all before, and I mean, with your journalistic uh, bent. You you know you tend to consider things a bit more broadly than, than, than the rest of us. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm finding it really, really hard to watch Chelsea at the moment. I'll be honest with you, but never mind. Anyway, mate, long time no speak. How are you? Are you well? I'm really good, and, and I've got to say, I'm particularly buoyed by that uh, result and that second half mm. performance, which we'll talk about yeah. later. We will indeed. Well, I can't wait, so let's get on with it. Um, right, on the show tonight, uh, we're going to applaud Pedro, uh, something of an unsung hero, I believe, and, of course, someone to whom I owe an apology. Uh, it doesn't happen often, but uh, when it does, it's heartfelt, and it will be tonight. Uh, we're also going to big up Carrie, Gary Cahill. That's not a euphemism, uh, but uh, Gary, of course, for the second time in a week, showed his captaincy credentials, but will he get the armband for keeps next season? Uh, in part two, we ask our Fabregas and William the Perfect Impact subs, who won the heavyweight clash between Costa and Lukaku, and uh, will the latter replace the former next season? And we look at the home straight and ask, what could possibly go wrong? Absolutely nothing, of course. <laughs> yes. Anyway, in part three, uh, we look back at last week's win against Southampton, which saw Costa return at last to goal-scoring form. And we also ask, um, is uh, Ryan Bertrand, or, or Rion Bertrand, as Cheltel used to lovingly call him, was he the one that got away? Uh, now, in part four, uh, we've got a couple of emails, the first of which which is brilliant, actually. I have to say this because I was actually thinking, uh, in terms of the body of the script, that I was going to ask us what our match day superstitions are, and, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll north it up and reveal mine now because uh, I watched it, you know, from the from the sofa on Sunday. Uh, unlike these lovely three people who were all up there, 
uh, I was on the sofa, and I and I and I really, as I said, I am really finding it hard to watch Chelsea at the moment. My bum is squeaking way too much. I'm finding it very difficult. And there it was. It was nil nil, and I was just like thinking the worst of all possible thoughts and everything bad that could go wrong. So I basically I, I got up and I moved to the other sofa and I just lay down on that one because I was near the TV and I laid down to watch watch it because I just thought, well, I'm just going to lie down and be chill. And then about two minutes later, we scored. And it was all cool again. So I got back up and I moved to the other sofa so as not to hex that one. And and, and these are the kind of mad things you do. Anyway, the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Jay, who who we heard from the other week, he's written another email. And he actually asked us what our match day superstitions are. So he was clearly reading my mind, or more to the point, going through the same hell and turmoil that I am. Um, now... Uh, we've only got a couple this week, so I think we'll fill the rest of the slot because uh, many of you will know, of course, uh, that we celebrated uh, the Chelsea Fancast ninth anniversary last Friday. Uh, and uh, that was great. And uh, we had some lovely, lovely posts from people. And we're going to ask, I'm going to shout out to you lot on Mixler right now and ask what your favourite memories from the last nine years are. And nobody say five past nine on a Monday night because they'll get a punch. <coughs> uh, right. Now, do not forget, uh, of course, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going into Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea High for Fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And as always, if my digestion doesn't get in the way, uh, as always, there are loads and loads of people in there, uh, a, a very small selection of whom are James Heath, Bashir, Bashiesk123, Andrew Self, Elliot Williams, Mr. Kurt Plastic, Daniel Cabral... Mr. C.H. David, King Drogba, Shed Up Ramsey. Yeah, a lot of new people in there tonight. It's kind of good. I don't recognise a lot of those names. But uh, John Chip Chiverton's in the house. He's a man I recognise. Uh, Mark from Ireland. Benny the Blue. Benny the Blue will be posting for... Well, I don't know. I'll be posting a lot. He normally does. Bob Ruzere, who we love. Loads of people in there. So there we go. Uh, as I said, remind you again, um, I'm going to put a shout out to... Uh, Ask you what your favourite memories of the Chelsea fancast are from the, the nine years that we've been on air, and I'll, I'll try and include a few later on in the show. But before that, we're going to talk about the Everton Chelsea game right after this break. Okay, so, um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, J- Jonathan's uh, moaned about the trains. Uh, Dan's admitting that his bum is squeaking a little bit mine. Alex has already said that she shouted herself hoarse, and we know about my uh, sofa uh, situation, uh, all of which, of course, led to a resounding victory in the end. But I have to say, I don't think any of that would have happened uh, without an absolutely superb piece of skill and a great goal by by Pedro, who, you know, I've kind of labelled this Pedro the unsung hero. But, you know, one of the things that strikes me about this Chelsea team is is exactly that. It is a team. Uh, and, yes, there are two, you know, one or two world-class players. There are one or two absolute stars. But, you know, everybody is chipping in. And, and I mean, it's not the first cracking goal that Pedro scored this season. But I've got to say... Not only was it a great goal, but what a fantastic contribution to the game as a whole, Jonathan. Uh, well, the goal was great, but he wasn't very good up until then. 
Uh, well, you, I don't, I'm not so sure about that. Well, I, I, from where I was, uh, you, from you on your sofa, perhaps it was different. But from yeah, uh, were you standing oh, behind one of the inf- <laughs> were you were, no, were you standing behind one of the influence uh, pillars at Goodison Park? Uh, yeah, perhaps I was hiding behind a pillar. Um, <laughs> But no, I didn't think he played. I didn't think any of them were playing terribly well up until then. And the, the second, it was superb, you know. And the, the yeah, advantage was, of it? having a wonderful a, a player like that, even if he's not contributing for the whole of the game, if he comes up with something like that, the whole game changes because it ruined yeah. their plan completely. So I, I sort of forgive him, really. But the, the guy behind me was going apoplectic about getting him off and making a substitution because we just felt something needed to be happening at that stage of the game. And he did it. He pulled it out of the. Uh, of the bag exactly as he did against Spurs um, um, yes it was, was Spurs was, wasn't it it was Spurs when he scored that, that cracker that was yeah. um, uh, was that early in the season or was it last year is my mind going no it was early in the no, season no, it was, that was this season but yeah so uh, um, he has that ability and, and left or right foot doesn't seem to make any difference um, and he's, he's clearly a, a He's clearly a wonderful player. You just have to, have to accept that. That we've got some wonderful players. This is why I'm not as squeaky bum as um, as I could be in this situation because uh, um, we seem to we're seeming seeming to be able to pull it out of the bag with with some sp- very terrific performances. So even if You'd... we're not playing terribly well, somebody is uh, is gonna is gonna pull it out like he did. Wonderful, mm. wonderful role. My God, good stuff, <laughs> Alex. Alex, do you think? Um... Do you, do you, I mean, you know, I mean, you you were all there, and you, I mean, as we as we've often said, and and, and I think it's absolutely true, um, you know, you do see a very different game when when you're you're not actually at the stadium and you are watching it on your sofa. But um, I mean, clearly, I was uncomfortable because I I, I, I freaked out enough to move and, and sit on the other sofa. But um, you know, do you, do you think they were just a bit nervous, a bit tight before before Pedro uh, changed the game? Well, I mean, there was two reasons why. I mean, basically, I don't recognise Pedro being any worse than anybody else in the first hour of the game because all of them made me just pull my hair out in despair because it wasn't going right and I wanted to be 4-0 up after 20 minutes. But I think, first of all, Everton did... and They, I mean, they were never very potent going forward because Lukaku was just stranded. But they did an immense job for the first hour of just getting in the way of they were like a whole load of Mikels breaking up our play in midfield we just couldn't do anything or string anything together because they were just disrupting it all and um yeah nerves as well I think it was it was as soon as they got the ball it looked like we were so paranoid about getting caught on the counter-attack that we had five men in defense as soon as they picked the ball up on the edge of our of their own 18 yard box which was frustrating because it just meant that instead of building momentum and going forward and challenging it was as soon as we lost possession which was a lot because nobody could pass to a black shirt for the first half um we just ran back and hid outside our own box and went please don't hurt us yeah Mm, okay i mean dan just picking it up with you really i mean i i, I wonder if in a sense i'm you know applauding Pedro as much out of guilt as anything else because I was so roundly critical of him last season saying he you know didn't really have it physically to to play in the Premier League but I've got to be honest mate I I, I you know and I'm not just talking about this game I, I just think over the over the season that he's made some really important contributions and I do like the way that he gets stuck in these days which you know can't have been easy for a player coming from a team like Barcelona yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, he's um, he's been one of the standout players, really, and I think it's a shame for him that it's been overshadowed a little bit by the brilliance of Hazard and just the mm. 
a sort of outer space uh, technique and and ability of of uh, N'Golo Kante. Um, but um, he's a brilliant player, and, and and Conte has been consistent on this through throughout the season. When people have said Pedro had a great game, didn't he? He said, well, you know, this guy's come from Barcelona. You know, he comes with a, with a decent guarantee. Um, and you expect that in a player from Barcelona. And he seems to be coaxing him on to, to give even more. Um, and I'm sure he can do that. Um, just, just turning to the game, I think it was interesting what Alex was saying there about um, the way uh, Everton broke us up in, in the first half. Uh, I, I think Everton went into this game with one real tactic and one real plan, and that was not to lose 5-0 again. Um, <laughs> quite they, they, right. They did, they did quite well about that for the first 45, not so good in the second half. Do you know what, Dan? That's a really, really good point. It, it did have that feel about it, didn't they? That I think that they were, they were, they were very worried that they might get completely turned over again. And I mean, to the extent that they, they put uh, is he? What well, I can't pronounce his name. They kept on calling him Gay on the TV. I'm not sure if that oh, yeah. was, you know, for any other reason. Thank you, Gaya. Well, <laughs> whatever. But anyway, they had him completely on hazard. You know, they tried to do a Herrera on him, which I don't think really worked, to be honest. But uh, I mean, Jonathan, what, what do you think? Do you think that, that I mean, do you think Everton looked more nervous of losing against us than we looked of actually trying to win the game in a sense? Well, I, I was amused by the way the crowd reacted to their performance because it was—it's the most silent I have ever known Goodison. Yeah, people yeah, said that. Yeah, it was, well, but it's because they were watching their team not play. They didn't play. As, as Dan said, they just stifled. And they and as 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 I was very pleased, I, I mentioned something early on, which was then echoed on Match of the Day. They left these huge holes in the middle, and I I kept saying to, to the guy I was with, "Look, we're going to score several here because of the holes they're leaving." They I thought they were terrible. I thought that was the worst performance I have ever seen Everton give against a Chelsea team. Wow! Um, uh, 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 because they, they as, as was reflected in the. In the crowd, there was no passion. There was no involvement. The fact, I mean, Lukaku um, was 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 has already been stated. Was on his own up there, as you said, Alex. It was. Uh, uh, this is why it was so frustrating. Us not scoring, and we had mm. those those uh, those two chances early on, where um, with Hazard and uh, Costa, which we should have buried. Um, but uh, no, it was a, a, they they did indeed set out to um, to stifle us. Uh, um, and what did they do? They had the early shot on goal, which hit the post. But that was the only, only real, real, the only time they looked dangerous. And you know what? As as you said earlier, as you said earlier, Jonathan, that was their plan. And that you know, as soon as we scored, they had no answer to it, really, did they? And and I think, in a sense, it was it was not surprising that we that we went on, you know, to score a few more. And of course, the second one, which again, I think, you know, if you like, weirdly, as crucial as the first in a way, because it kind of killed the game. Um, but absolutely delighted to see, uh, you know, Cahill do it again. Uh, I have to say that of all three of the goals, it was the, the most proper goal for me. Uh, bouncing off somebody's knee uh, is the way to go. I don't, I don't care how they go in, as long as it goes in and uh, it can come off your ass, your little fingernail, or your knee. It's all good for me. I'll take it. Um, the thing is, though, uh, you know, Alex, he, he, I mean, you know, we've gone on about it a lot this season because I think that uh, Cahill gets a very, very hard press. I love the furry <coughs> little man. I've got to be honest. Um, and he scored, well, not only has he scored a lot of goals this season, but I mean, I saw some weird uh, stat that he scored a huge amount of goals in the Premier League, possibly the second of all time, not including penalties, which is quite astonishing. But I mean, you know, if, if this week shows anything, he's, he, he seems to have, uh, 
you know, caught a bit of JT-itis in, you know, coming up, leading from the front, scoring a crucial goal here and there. Do you, do you not think? Anyone who still slagging off Cahill is a knob. <laughs> anyway, I don't, I, I'll paraphrase what I put in my blog, which is that he put us ahead on Tuesday. He stopped us going behind in the opening minutes yesterday when I don't I don't even know yeah. what happened. It was like it was in slow motion. But somehow they just sort of wandered past all our defenders and aimlessly kicked the ball and ended up hitting the post and Courtois on the floor like an idiot. And there's Cahill to make the block. And then he puts us... Um, Clear, too clear yesterday as well. I just said he has risen to wearing that armband so that he's a worthy successor to JT. Oh. I said nobody can be John, but this man, even when he's sick, injured, out of form, doesn't hide, leaves everything he's got on the pitch, and you can't ask for more. He's just a pro. And I said the man limped through 120 minutes on one leg to help deliver us the European Cup. So we didn't raise him. What's the only difference? If I go through the tick list of all the things I love about JT, I love that he'll just let someone kick him in the face rather than concede a goal. I love that he is all Chelsea when he's on the pitch. I, everything I love about JT, I love about Cahill. The only difference is we didn't raise him, and he's not a one-club man. And I, I just, for me, he's captain leader. And well, I, th- I think you know. I, I'll second. tell you, what, I'll tell you what, Alex. To be fair, you know, I, I don't think he's as good a player as JT. No, no, and I think I, you I know, think and I'm, being, I'm being, real, I'm being. Hang on, whoa! Thank you. I don't think he's as good a player as JT, but that's no criticism of him because actually JT's arguably the best uh, defender mm. that's ever played in the Premier League. But I, I do absolutely concur 150% with everything that you've just said. Um, Dan, I mean, you know, Alex has already, I think, answered the question I was going to ask because, I mean, you know, Cahill has been the captain this season uh, in the absence of JT getting any game time. Uh, when uh, when Cahill was injured uh, the other week, Aspie uh, took up the armband. Given that JT's not going to be with us next season, do you think um, Gary Cahill's going to be the captain for next season and beyond? Well, I think he's been a pretty decent audition for it, hasn't he? Because he's, he's, he's yeah. certainly risen to the, uh, the challenge of it, and uh, he's looked fantastic. And uh, it just astounds me that people are still... Um, and I've got to say, most of the people who are having a pop are, are quite distant and detached from the club. But um, he, he, he is, a, he is a, a decent player and he's um, full of heart and full of soul and he scores a lot of goals and he provides the leadership that the team needs. And uh, apart from that, he's also a great guy. So mm. full, uh, full thumbs up from this direction. He looks great yeah, with I'm, his well, top I'm... off as well. Of course, well, that's, that's what I was about that, to say. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Okay, that, of course, that is the sole criterion, Alex, uh, for yeah. for you, um, mm. Jonathan. Uh, no doubt you like Carrie Cahill with his top off as well. Oh, I could take it or leave it, Judge. To be honest, <laughs> you, you have only need look in the mirror for that kind of entertainment. Whoa! Oh, oh, oh! This is too much. You take Ooh. her out for a posh lunch at the football, and she'll do anything for you, Jonathan. Unbelievable. I, I am an easy. You, I'm not. Yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you. Glad you moder, moderated that quickly, Jonathan. In all seriousness, though, um, you know, I mean, I, I, as the as the others have said, I, I you know, for me, it's got to be Cahill who's the captain next season. Um, I'm sure you'd like to give your view on that, but also if you could, you know, try and shed some light on why people give him such a hard time because he does get a hard time. And I, I like Dan. I can't understand it. I think occasionally he makes the odd error. <clears throat> Um, which uh, somehow JT managed to look as if he never made a mistake um, uh, until it, it got to latterly in, it, in his latter part of his career. Um, uh, I don't know. There's a vulnerability about him. 
as a person, mm. which perhaps convey, conveys itself to people, um, even particularly in his interviews as well. He's he's comes mm. across as being a, a sensitive bloke, which is quite a rarity, really. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, perhaps it's that. Perhaps people latch onto that. Um, I don't know. I, I always think there's a kind of um, to get philosophical, kind of platonic world one has for for your team, which is you think they should be perfect every single week, and uh, and they don't quite get there um, to this platonic entity, and uh, they're, they're they're always not quite good enough. And in his instance, um, uh, people find it very easy to criticise him. But I think people know, expect him to be JT, don't you? Yeah, I think that's. I think you're absolutely right. And like like Chidge said. He's not JT. He's not as good as JT. But for me, I don't care because he is better than I ever inspect, expected him to be. And every challenge he has faced at Chelsea, he has risen to it. And that's enough for me. We must remember that it, he, did, he was one of the players who won the Champions League. Yeah, on one without leg. J- without, on without JT being there, of course. Yeah. And Luis was on one leg as well. And Luis, well, yeah, they were as a partnership. And I think as a partnership, they've... Uh, They've gone from strength to strength. I have to say, I thought Louise was was excellent on on, um, uh, on Sunday. I thought he was brilliant. Uh, as was Dave. I thought they were both great. Um, uh, yeah. Which is they can they can be great while uh, while uh, others around them aren't being as great because they're just maintaining. They're stopping the opposition from scoring, which I think they did in the first first hour. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. It's he he can. I think what it is as well. He's occasionally a bit. A bit lumbering, isn't he, um, Cahill? He's not as. I mean, JT was never swift, but next to Dave, uh, occasionally he can look a bit. Cumbered. When he has a bad day, it's a bad day. And that may be one of the reasons you're yeah. right. Yeah, he, he looks a bit out of his depth. You think, what yeah. on earth is, is he doing? But uh, I think I. Um, you know, sorry, Jonathan. I, yeah, carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, mate. Yeah, I, I was just trying to get a word in before Alex jumped in again. But. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the, the just to pick up on a point you made about him. I think you're right. I I, I think uh, you know he he's not the swiftest of, of centre backs, and I think that that's a you know another area where perhaps he 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 doesn't shape up to to being as good as JT because whilst JT's never been fast, JT's reads the game so quickly, and it's that classic kind of he's got half a yard in his head, and I don't think that Cahill reads the game quite as quickly as JT does. But yet again, you know. I think, as all of you, Dan as well, have alluded to, you know, this is not about trying to a replace JT or compare Cahill to JT because you cannot compare the two. They are chalk and cheese. And the fact of the matter is, and I think you've all pretty much said this, is that, you know, Gary Cahill is one of ours now. He bleeds blue. He's a real fighter. He's done it and he's proven himself more than good at this for a long, 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 long time. And I think that's the point. He's good enough. And that's what you need, JK. Yeah, but an interesting point was, uh, uh, though I say so myself, was um, in the Southampton game when JT came on, he was instantly ordering people about um, in a way that, yeah. uh, that Gary Cahill <laughs> just doesn't. Gary Cahill just doesn't do. Uh, I noticed that it. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a, there was a, uh, um, uh, um, and we're going to get onto that. But I thought that was a great moment him coming on the pitch. Actually, it JT. was. Thought, well, we've we've got all we've. We've got all of that to come in uh, in in part yeah, three, which is going to be I, yeah, think, which I, yeah. That was the point was that he he does instantly or a look have a presence that that Kale hasn't got quite. He hasn't got the same presence as JT, but mm. he's a dif- different man, and a different player. So, yeah. and I love the the determination that Cahill has got, which he's proven yeah. um, 
in the in the, we'll get onto that in the Southampton goal and uh, and also scoring the second goal because he was there. Um, yeah. I, I think is uh, very is very commendable. I think. Yeah. Excellent, Dan. Dan, you wanted to make a point. Final point yeah, for Dan. Yeah, just wanted to chip, chip in a little thing that will do in um Cahill to a lot of people yesterday in his post match interview. Um, he passed what I think uh, you can probably call the Ashley Cole test, and uh, he was asked, "Do you did you know much about that goal?" And his response was, "I know it went in." great stuff dan you see that's you know it's lovely having you on the show we get those little snippets i've got another one to ask you actually coming up in part two but uh we'll get on to that but after the break in part two we're going to be asking are fabregas and william the perfect impact subs who won the heavyweight clash between costa and lukaku and will the latter replace the former next season and we look at the home straight and ask what could possibly go wrong we'll see you in a sec Only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And I've got tonight, uh, as always, Jonathan Kidd with me. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Uh, I've got uh, the delightful Alex Churchill, also known as the girl who likes balls. Hello. And uh, we've got back with us for the first time in far too long, the fantastic uh, Chelsea journalist Dan Levine. Hello. Right, now, uh, we've done uh, Cahill and Pedro, so I think it's time for, uh, very much like the match itself, actually, uh, a latter cameo played by both Fabregas and Willian. Uh, And it occurred to me, you know, watching them, not least because uh, the way that, uh, you know, Fabregas kind of controlled the last, you know, I can't remember when he came on now, but uh, he kind of controlled things when he came on, and Willian buzzes around and has all of that energy, and and of course that third goal, which absolutely killed off Everton, was just superbly crafted, and it just kind of occurred to me, Dan, that, you know, these two really are the perfect impact subs, and they do have that the skill and the energy, you know, one has the skill, one has the energy, you could argue, to exploit the space, uh, you know, against tired legs. Yeah, completely. Um, and I think they've also got the footballing brains to do it. Um, mm. I think when when it was nil nil at half time, a lot of people could see that it was a game that would benefit from Fabregas's impact, from his intelligence, from his his reading of the game. And it was interesting when he came on. It was quite late in the game. We, we didn't really expect it to happen at half time. Conte doesn't do that. But when he came on, the way he moved around the pitch, there's some good um, stuff if you look on Twitter or YouTube of him doing this sort of thing where his head's flashing both ways wherever he moves he's almost taking wherever he goes a 180 degree look at what he's doing everywhere about looking getting as much of an idea of the sphere of play where his teammates are at any given time where the opposition are and that's how goals like that occur that's how that fantastic hookup with William happened because if you look at that replay of that goal again where he, he sets up William he has no right whatsoever to know where William is, yet he finds him with the ball. And the ball is in the back of the net with the next next flourish of, of the boot. And that is what Fabregas does. He's just such an impressive reader of the game. And William, in, in the same way, you know, he, he offers so much in terms of uh, spatial awareness, his movement, 
and 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 just the, the dead ball stuff he can do as well. They're two fantastic players, and it's as Conte was saying afterwards, it's just a shame they can't have thirteen players on the pitch at kickoff. Do you think that's going to be a problem next season, Dan? Do you think? Do you think that could? I mean, you know, there's been rumours in the press this week that uh, you know Italian clubs are still after Fabregas, and that cheekily Mourinho might be after William. Do you think, do you think that's a possibility that we might lose them? Because I think, it, like you said, really, and I think, like Conte said, it would be a huge shame to lose them because, you know, I think. Sorry to kind of harp on and, and go off on a slight tangent here, but. A lot of people, I think, are now beginning to realise that the reason why we're going to win the league, because I'm pretty sure we will, fingers crossed, touching wood, is that our depth of squad is much greater than everybody else's. The fact that we can bring on a player like Fabregas and William, you know, with 15, 20 minutes to go. But, I mean, anyway, going back to the, that main point, you know, do you think there's a realistic chance that they might go? Um, there's possibly more of a chance that William might go. Um, but having said that, I don't think he will. Uh, I... I you know, uh, setting my stall out here, and I'm sure you'll you'll play it back if it happens. But but why would he want to go to Mourinho at Manchester? Um, he's got a, a nice little setup where he is. He loves London. Um, Fabregas is a slightly different sort of set of circumstances. He's on a very very good wage, and for him to go anywhere, um, it would require someone basically to pay him more than he's on, or at least the same as he's on, uh, and that seems unlikely to happen. Mm. I think they're both very very happy at Chelsea. Mm. Oh, that's good to hear, um, Jonathan. I mean, are you would you would you concur with that? Would you would you rather see them stay? Given given what I was saying about the, you know, the the depth of squad advantage that we seem to have at the moment, or or would you say, well, you know, maybe we could get better? No, I I would keep them both. I think they've both contributed mm. wonderfully. My my worry is 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 how happy they are with the uh, the not paying playing regularly. But he he does tactically use them in different ways, doesn't he? He'd either Occasionally, he'll play Fabregas from the beginning or um, even in the, the semi-final when he played William from the beginning and brought the others on. Um, yeah. But, uh, I, I, no, I, I felt for William, actually, because he played so brilliantly against uh, Spurs and then um, and then didn't figure in the Southampton game, did he? He came mm. on late. He looked a bit and he looked a bit upset, didn't he, mm. at the time? But So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, he just has to accept that there are certain games that, you know, the gaffer makes a decision and won't play him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I wanted him to come on about 20 minutes earlier than he did because uh, uh, I thought we were stagnating. And I was thinking, oh, he must change it round. But, you know, as it as it happened, um, it, it, coming on with 10 minutes to go after the goal was absolutely perfect because uh, yeah. they just couldn't deal with it, Everton, at all. And, and, was like, and, that, and that, Jonathan, me. is... Yeah. And that, Jonathan, is why Antonio Conte is the Chelsea manager and we are not. Indeed. Indeed, he knows. Indeed, he knows indeed. his players. He knows, he knows what he? he can do. But they are. Well, you uh, say Fabregas is a great <clears> player, <throat> and Williams a great player, and we are we are uh, blessed with having them both. I think um, uh, if if it looks likely we're going to win something this year, um, uh, if we win the league, I'd say if it's really yeah, but I don't want to tempt fate. Um, they will have contributed unbelievably, hugely. Yeah, to good it. point. Um, Alex, I'm gonna I'm gonna move it on to. Uh, I mean, it was uh, you know we had Can a heavyweight clash. Can I just quickly clash. say that if I hope the prestige of the Champions League, both in terms of being in it and in terms of the extra games it will bring next season, might convince both of them to hang around. Well, I would hope so, and I I think that's the point. I think you know, 
I mean, I don't want to get into a long discussion because this this is one that yeah, we yeah, can yeah. do towards you know towards the end of the season. But I think we are going to need a few more players because we're going to need a bigger squad to compete in Europe. And I think to lose those two would be a great shame, even if we are to get replacements. Um, I just want to move it on to the Lukaku Costa thing because, of course, everybody you know those idiots that Sky are all billing this as a as a part two of their heavyweight bloody week, you know, with Joshua and uh, Klitschko. Um, I, I thought it was quite interesting, actually, because I would say that neither of them really won. I don't think either of them really covered themselves in glory. Although, um, I, I, you know, again, a lot of talk about, you know, Lukaku being re-signed by Chelsea and uh, and Costa disappearing off to China. But, you know, all the evidence that you saw on Saturday, who would you rather have? Ugh, I don't know. I'd rather have a firing and focused Costa. If we can't have that, then I would take Lukaku. My only worry about Lukaku is that for me, I, he's bone idle and it does my head in. He wanders about the pitch in this languid way and he doesn't run and it gets on my nerves. But then having said that, if any manager is going to literally kick that out of him and not stand for it, it'd be Antonio Conte. So I'm prepared to give him another chance in a Chelsea shirt, especially seeing as everybody says how much he loves Chelsea and we've got that video of him when he was four or whatever, saying that one day he's going to play at this ground. I'd like to think that he'd be a success, but mm, I'm wary, especially with the Mm. price tag. I mean, you know, it was interesting, wasn't it, Dan, that Costa... uh... You know, could have done better. He had that that chance which he walloped over the bar. But he, you know, and I mean, this is, I mean, you know, he's been having a lot of criticism recently, and I've been sticking up for him. And I kind of lost my rag with him last week. But the bottom line is, is that you know, even in a game where he didn't manage to find the back of the net, he still contributed by getting in there, annoying people, getting in their face. But of course, laying off an assist for that fantastic third goal. Um, on the other hand, Lukaku and I thought match of the day did this particularly well on Saturday night. Uh, you know, he he was bereft of any decent service. I mean, Barkley, if there would have been 1,500 Lukaku's on the pitch, still wouldn't have been able to find him with a pass. Um, but it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because, you know, there's a, there's a sense that one of them will be at Chelsea next season. That's a, a good possibility of that, um, although I wouldn't guarantee it. Um, I think if it's down to one or the other, it's possibly more likely to be Lukaku, because I think Costa's off. Um, really, you but, really think um, you really think he's you really think he's off? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I, I I would be highly surprised. I've got to say, if he's here on the first of September. Wow. Um, but um, but but then I think um, whether or not Lukaku is here is a matter for Michael Emanalo to discuss in some length with uh, Antonio Conte. But, but in terms of the two players we saw at Goodison yesterday, um, I, I, I agree with what you say that that Lukaku lacked from a lack of uh, supply and mm. assistance. But then. Um, Costa, I thought, gave so much more to the team effort. He looked like he wanted to be there, which he maybe hasn't done a little bit in some games of late. Uh, and Lukaku just doesn't have that in his armoury. He doesn't do quite as much for the team. And uh, Conte expects that of his players from 1 to 11. He does expect them to pitch in and to do the dirty work and to, to, to function throughout. So, you know, to me, Lukaku doesn't look much like an Antonio, Antonio Conte player. Whether or not he will become one and can, whether whether we can be made to be one, you know, maybe we'll see. I'll tell you what, though, Dan, and I mean, you were probably there because this came out. Uh, I mean, Simon Johnson was certainly talking about it today, uh, about uh, Michael Amanalo being caught, if you like, in flagrante with uh, Lukaku in the mix zone, which looked highly suspicious. Um, were, were you around at that point? And is there anything in that? Um, I was actually upstairs in the manager's press conference at the time, but I'm aware of the incident. Um, um, Michael Amanalo 
hangs around in the tunnel. It's not unusual at all. Um, he often speaks uh, to players coming through. He he particularly speaks to players that he knows. Uh, I've seen him uh, on when when Drogba was back with us, very very frequently having these, these chats with him. Uh, Lukaku's a guy he 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 knows and likes a lot. Uh, obviously, he it was his signing when he came to Chelsea. Yeah, um, and he's quite keen to bring him back, and there's no no question about that. That seems to be what's happening. Um, but then he does have these chats with a lot of players. Um, what what is is slightly more ridiculous is that it seems that he's taken some umbrage to the fact that when talking to a footballer in front of a load of journalists, some of them have attempted <laughs> attempted to report on it. Hey, don't tell me, Dan. Okay. Don't tell don't tell me, Dan. There's palpable discord between Emanolo and the press. Um. <laughs> Actually, uh, I don't think there is really. I don't think there is. But but he seemed a little bit aggrieved about um, what 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 unfolded yesterday. And I do think if you're going to carry out your business in front of Fleet Street's finest and even some of their less finest, then 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 uh, you're you're onto a hiding for nothing really. Speaking yeah. of the less Jonathan, finest, the video I saw, promise, 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 this amazing video that showed the two of them talking. And all it was was this journalist standing there miles away from this conversation, filming it, going, come on, come on, say something, come on. <laughs> Jonathan, um, what do you think of all of this? I mean, you know, we've had our ups and downs with Costa, but at the end of the day, he's a world-class striker. And I've got to say, and I've said it, you know, for a long, 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 long time, going back to when the kid played for us originally, I think there's something a bit suspicious with Lukaku in in terms of the, his mentality. You know, he seems to come from a long line of whiny Belgians like De Bruyne, and it's all it's, it, it's all about it's all about him. You know, and I think Dan makes a very good point that I've forgotten actually, and 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 and, and uh, Alex, to be fair, about him kind of being a bit diffident on the pitch. Where do you stand on all of this? To be fair, De Bruyne is one of the best passers in the Premier League and uh, was phenomenal um, at the weekend, even though they didn't win. Um, well, uh, therein lies, should, therein bit, lies the point. Bit, I think they're a bit precious. I think that's the problem yes. with the Belgians. Yes. Tongan's yes. precious, precious centre-half, isn't he? You almost look as if he's... he's, he's uh, he doesn't want to... Yeah, but precious. He doesn't want to... Uh, uh, he doesn't really want to be sliding because he might get his shorts dirty, you know, but it... it uh, He's got, and he scratches he's got people in the face. Yes, he does. <laughs> he's good like a yeah. girl. He's a bit Hate of a... Yeah. Him. yeah. Um, uh, but no, I, I, I think he scored some cracking goals this year, Lukaku, um, from, from uh, situations where you think, actually, he's got no right to score. And he does bully. He does, uh, he does push through. He does get into situations. He has Drogba-esque qualities, which is why Emanalo wanted him in the first place. It's a question of whether I think he can be made to go further with it. And as you say, uh, Conte might have the ability to, to make him do that. And I think, I think one of the reasons why he doesn't get as carried away, uh, doesn't seem as emotional, um, is that he's been playing for Everton. And uh, I, I think if he played for us and we were winning things, um, I think he would express himself more. I think it would be impossible not to. Um, uh, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I, I, I can't, what we see and what Conte sees is going to be something completely different. I mean, I have this, I didn't have this vision of another Drogba type of playing to replace Costa. I've had a vision of a, of a, um, of the, of the kind of bloke who's, who's been playing for, um, uh, for Southampton or the kind of, uh, and was it Gabbardini? Gabbardini. Mm-hmm. Gabbardini. Or, uh, who's the chap, um, At Monaco. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, 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 there's, there's a kind of, um, of feral quality to keep the cat image going. 
um, <laughs> uh, feral quality about them. There's a kind of get in there strike, and there's an energy which, in a sense, Costa's got. Lukaku hasn't. It's a question of what he wants to set up. I mean, might mm. might he have a situation where he buys Lukaku and he buys another player like that from Italy? That kind of yeah, scrapping, maybe. scrapping player. You know, all this 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 chat about the Real Madrid guy. Um, what's in Murata? Is that what's uh, his name? Yeah. I, he doesn't do it for me. I've seen him. I've I've watched him, and he's he, he doesn't get. I mean, having said that though, was God, it, um, he does it for me. Benzema. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not thinking about him with his shirt off. Though. Not. You know, I don't want his shirt off. I'm thinking about him as a striker. No, so, great. Uh, no, I don't. I, I, you know, but there are other. I, I, once again, it's. It's it's what what Costi, what what Conte will come up with because uh, to me it seems you need you know somebody like um, a Griezmann to me is much more the kind of player that Chelsea would go for would like to have up there. I Not think. happening, I'm afraid. No. Okay, okay. Because a rumored, couple of it was rumored though, wasn't it, Dan? It was rumored. Mm. It was a rumor that he would be swapped for Costa, but I mean, Cost, Costa's he... off to China, isn't he? So. Yeah, he's, he's been, Griezmann's been linked with an awful lot of clubs, most most of the best clubs in the world, and uh, he's uh, he'd cost. And, and, and United, Dan, and, and United. Yes, that's a sure. And United have a limitless limitless budget, which Chelsea just don't have. Mm. All right, listen, let's get a move it on because we'll, we'll find out sooner or later. I, I just sort of want to say, actually, for the record, that uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be displeased if Lukaku came to Chelsea because I think the the kids clearly got a lot of talent and also you know he's going to get a darn side better service playing at Chelsea than he ever would at yeah. playing at Everton and I think yeah. Conte's a very 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 good coach and I can see him uh, you know making a big difference there but anyway um, this is now uh, I mean she, she keeps chipping in tonight she's clearly been drinking too much coffee all day uh, Alex go back to the gin it slows you down but this is your <laughs> moment to shine because this is now the time to talk about Mr John Moss Pathetic, oh as per gosh. usual. That is the that on the blog is the biggest rant about a referee I have posted all <laughs> season. What an absolute shit sea bomb he was yesterday. He <laughs> really was. I just, I, I was just looking at it in utter disbelief by the end of it. I just thought like, I sum it up with the Costa yellow card. The only reason that yellow card came about is because two and a half minutes beforehand, Costa was fouled for about the third time where Moss just went, no, I'm not giving you that. And in the interim, he'd been giving like that idiot with the blonde fluffy hair that flounces around after him all over the pitch. Every time he went down, yeah, with his handsome hairdo, got given everything when he went down. So Costa just looked up and put his hands up as if to say, come on, man. And instead of that hand gesture that referees do, where they just do a hand parallel to the floor, don't they, that says... I thought that was okay. Is that right? They just sort of, don't they? They just put their hand out and as if to say that I'm letting that go. Instead, he did this dismissive hand wave that basically, body language-wise, said, just fuck off, not interested. So Costa was like, hang on a minute. So he got up and he said something and then had a little bit of words with each other and ended with a pat on the back. And then 30 seconds later or whatever, that yellow card came and it was pathetic did he even make contact i haven't seen the replay no he didn't no no it was absolutely pathetic and it just summed up how out of touch he was for the entire game yesterday he bought every piece of buffoonery that people threw at him in terms of diving and throwing themselves on the floor and yet he missed anything that actually mattered he was absolute dos and he was the same in the spurs game earlier in the week as well but Alex, he is absolutely consistent which is consistently shit doesn't yes, count. Yeah, in that what he does 
is that he has decided, it's absolutely obvious, because the same every time... have to win the league. No, 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 no. I was going to say that. Yeah, that's true as well. But yeah. he's decided that um, Hazard dives... He's and he doesn't that. like Costa. And, and he doesn't like yeah. Costa. Because and, that guy we were talking that, about... He brings yeah. that into every game. And it's yeah, so before kick-off. Yeah, Alex, give Jonathan a chance. No, I was he just going to go back to something in, Jonathan said before earlier on about that guy that no one can pronounce and how everyone said how great he was at marshalling Hazard. No, he wasn't. He just pulled him over. Yeah, pulled he, him by he, the shirt, pulled him by the throat, pulled him by the arm. And he there never was that dreadful, up. Alex, there was that dreadful moment where Hazard went through and the chap had his arm around his neck. Mm. The guy had his arm around his neck. Then he carried on having his arm around his neck and somehow Hazard stayed up. Then he pulled his shirt and then Moss blew the whistle and gave the foul against Hazard. And yeah. he'd let play go on with two fouls leading up to that. The two players yeah. that had the ball before Hazard were fouled, that went in the blog. That moment went in the blog because I just looked at him and I thought, you are an absolute tosser. He is. He's a, he's a, he's a knob. But I, 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 I find it absolutely bizarre that he's allowed to get away with that, with all the amount of screening that goes on with referees. They, just seem, to have, yeah. they, have the, they seem to have the same trends about them you know it's like um yeah uh, 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 Anthony it, Taylor punch-ups all the time yeah, Maidley yeah. misses the most obvious handballs and whatever and fouls around him and this man it seems to not appreciate that if somebody is man marking somebody and that player is then stifled he's and, and the other player is just grabbing him around the neck all the time that is a foul that yeah. is why he's stifled that's why he's not in the game yeah, because he's fouling him consistently, and you're not paying any attention. And when this happens, where is the teamwork with with the linesman? Non-existent. This is, yeah, I mean, he ignored the linesman on several occasions when the linesman gave stuff to us. He just played on like he wasn't interested. Mm. But it's like you say, there's certain referees and certain traits, and I've decided I'm going to do a whole rant on it in the book version of the blog and that because, like you say, Anthony Taylor lets too much go, and it ends up in a free for all of people kicking and punching each other yes. and a punch up. We had City earlier in the season, and we had another game recently. Madley seems to miss the most blindingly obvious things. Mike Jones is uh, the uh, king of the giving away the ridiculous penalty yes. but I don't understand where I, I just I think that the first part of the summer the referees half of them need to go to a fat farm and then the second part of the summer they all need to get around a fucking table they need to decide what is fouling in the box what is diving what is this what and between them they need to come up with a consistent way of approaching it so that it's not just a free-for-all every week of one man's interpretation of the rules because from week to week the consistent like i say I, I want consistency and being consistently shit isn't good enough all right enough um what i will say um i'm going to ask dan this do you think do you think uh aspie was lucky to uh to stay on, uh, you know, because he, he had a bit of a bit of a humdinger with Moss, who had clearly wound him up to distraction about that free kick. And I was sitting there saying, for God's sake, shut up, because he's going to send you off. Do you think he was lucky, Dan? Yeah, I think he was. He was already on a yellow card and uh, there was a free kick. And Aspie thought he was going to go and try and show the referee what 10 yards looked like. And players do get a yellow card for that. It's almost mandatory. Um, <clears throat> so he was quite lucky to avoid that. He could easily have gone off. On the subject of Jonathan Moss, um, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little bit... I'll take a different view to maybe what um, Alex and, and uh, Jonathan have said. Um, I, I don't think there's anything malicious here. I don't think that he's a Burke or whatever. I just think there are some referees in the Premier League that are, that are better than others at their job. And he's not 
especially high on that list of greatness. Um, funnily enough, one guy who is a complete Burke, um, but he's a really, really <laughs> good referee, is Mark Clattenburg. And, and he's off. They're too busy teaching him a lesson. Alex, you've had, Alex, shush. Let, let Dan finish. Unfortunately, we've lost him. Um, and yes, he's a bit of a Burke, but he's actually probably the, the best referee in the Premier League. And it is a big loss that he's gone. Mm, okay, all right. Listen, I'm going to move this on because we've only got a few minutes of this part left. And I absolutely def- desperately want to uh, talk about, uh, you know, what's happening next because, you know, a great win though it was, also a great win against Southampton. Bloody Spurs won again, so uh, you know the the gap is only four points. I say only four points. There's four games left, so you know let's be honest, we should be home and hosed. Uh, we have got uh, four games left. We only need nine points, and three of those are at home against Middlesbrough, Watford, and Sunderland. Um, one thing that did, did, did occur to me, and I, I did mention this earlier on, but I mean th- there was a sense that Everton really played like they didn't have much to play for if you see what I mean and those four teams that we've got playing I mean Middlesbrough possibly still trying well they've still got a chance to stay up so they may turn up next Monday Um, but the other three I mean Sunderland already relegated Watford mid-table probably on the beach West Brom definitely on the beach so you know really really Jonathan you you would expect that we can't screw it up, but we all all four of us have been watching Chelsea for so many years, and we just know that we're not going to make this easy, don't we? Well, we we screwed up against Palace, didn't we? And then we didn't play very well against Man U, so uh, that is in uh, that's in the recent memory. Uh, my worry is that Borough still have a chance and uh, drew two two with Man City and played quite well. Um, but I suppose one of the advantages is if they do. Uh, attempt to score against us it means they'll be very open for one of our fantastic counter-attacks so uh, perhaps that then isn't a problem and we should really beat all these teams easily Um, but West Brom always seem to turn up against us even though they haven't turned up for the past four games so I I just can't call it Uh, that's the trouble with, with you never know, do we? What, what's Southampton? Can't, can't, can't or won't, Jonathan? Can't yeah. or won't call it? Because I think there's a difference. Uh, well, whether I won't call it or I can't call it. Well, no, well, I'm I think, like me, you, like me, you don't want to say we're going to win them all easily and it's no, all, no, all I, done I, and dusted. I would be, well, I don't, we won't win them easily. We'll, we'll probably fart around and, and, and like, like against Everton. We'll, we'll, there'll be despair in our hearts and then somebody will score a fantastic goal or alternatively we'll fail to score against somebody like we did against Palace who just seemed to mm. um, give their best performance against us and have since possibly dragged themselves into the relegation problem by, uh, by losing the last two games. Um, but looking at them as they are, you sh- we could see we should really win them easily with, with mm. the kind of performance that we can give in, like in the last 20 minutes we had against Everton. Or in, or in most of the season, we should have great faith in winning winning the matches because we've got a great team. But nonetheless, that's still, as you say, because we've supported the team for so long, there's still that uh, that rather nasty man of uh, that imp of doubt on your shoulder who's going. Oh, no, <laughs> Love it. No, there'll be a, yeah, there'll be yeah. something. Something will happen. No, something. You know, somebody will be sent off, or they'll have a deflected well, goal yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. Know. Dan, um, you know, are we home and hosed, or or you know? Is there, a, you know, where, where, if if it could go wrong, where would it go wrong? We're not home and host. Um, Liam Toomey, who I know is a friend of this show and a, and a friend of mine, mm, um, good lad, tweeted, yeah, very good lad, um, tweeted something at the weekend where he said if um, 
if uh, Chelsea win at Everton, then it's done and dusted. And I, I sort of see what he's saying because it was the toughest thing yet to go. Yeah. And all Chelsea need to do now is win some what should be some fairly, fairly formulaic games and we can still afford to lose one and even draw one. Um, but um, the, the, the thing is, it's nothing is, is home and dry until the points are on the board. Spurs have got tough games still. They've got to go to West Ham next. West Ham will no doubt roll over now. I've said that. They've got to play Man United, maybe the same. Leicester away. Hull away. Probably Hull away might be the most difficult game they've got. Um, I can see them dropping points there on the last day of the season, but we should have it nailed by then. And I'm confident at this mm. stage. I think yeah. I think it's very very clear Chelsea will be champions. Okay, I love I loving this confidence now, Alex. I'm going to ask you a very very serious footballing question here. So I want you to like just sit down for a second, chill, and and, and gird your loins for this one. Um, <laughs> what would what what would you give up if I was to say to you right here now? I'm going to give you four wins for Chelsea right now. What would you give up in life? Not gin. <laughs> Trying to think of something. Not gin. I love yeah. the fact that that was your first thought. You are an angel. But not do you know gin what? I mean, I'm not, not Bertie. If we, not my big worry is West Brom away. Because yeah. I anticipate me throwing obscenities at Tony Pulis for 90 minutes on a Friday night <laughs> whilst his team just refused to play football. And whilst we either mess up or scrape a one nil, um, that is that's for me. I mean, I was a bit scared about Everton. Um, I thought that that's the most difficult football match to be played, but the most difficult fixture in terms of people being gits, West Brom definitely. Mm. Do you know what that does worry me for two reasons? One is that they they've lost their last four or five. I can't remember since they got safe, and they've had within their grasp the highest positional finish that West Brom have had in the Premier League they've not won a match they've hardly scored a goal and of course they are the masters of set pieces so I, I, it's just it's just queued up for something horrendously abominable oh, to happen in that match isn't it for me but I, I do know what like you mean Chris Brunt to come through with his meathead and just head yeah. in with yeah, 30 exactly. seconds of injury time left or something yeah Anyway, enough of, enough of the negativity. I think we're all quietly confident that it's 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 there. It's there. You know, we're we're nearly there. But anyway, I just really wanted to. You know, I just I kind of desperately wanted Spurs to lose yesterday. Other than the fact that, of course, I always want Spurs to lose. But I just want to get this. There's a famous song. I want to get this party started, guys. That's what I want to do. Sing I want to like enjoy. I want to. No, I'm not going to sing it. I just, not 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 if I haven't had a drink first, and I sadly I have not had a drink next. today. Let's get this is. party started. I can't remember. Oh, anyway, the bottom line is the bottom line is I just want to like get drunk at the next fourth, well, three games in my case, and 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 not have to worry and not have to, you know, swap sofas or you know not not change my underpants for a week or whatever your particular superstition happens to be anyway uh we're gonna uh stop here because we've got another break coming up but uh just a quick uh Cheers. plug of course for the for the what what sorry just Damn. Before, Damn. before you go Damn. you're asking what, what would people give up for if, if you were to say the next four games have been won what would people give up yeah well what, do you, what would you give up dan i'd give up a friday night in west brom <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> good answer jonathan what would you give up uh, I don't think I'd give anything up really. I'd just accept fate as to what happens to us. You know, You're just, just such a nihilist, aren't you? You really are. I know, I'm, what, what, I'm sorry, what, what, I've got no imagination. 
Okay, so well, I tell you, I, I, I'll tell you what I would give up because this is another super. This is another weird superstition thing that I did because during the city match, I, I ate almost an entire box of champagne truffles, and there was a moment <laughs> in the game again. And there was a moment I didn't eat the entire box because I actually started to feel sick. I found the box again during the Everton match, and I thought, ah, oh, right, this is obviously the the trick. I need to eat champagne truffles, and that means we'll win. And I finished them off during the Everton game. Anyway, on that, so I will give champagne truffles up if if, if I could have that those four games won right here and now. Now, listen, as I was saying a minute ago, the Kerry Dixon Show, of course, which I do every week with the great man, uh, it's available uh, on Thursday afternoon. So make sure you download it via Acast, iTunes, and SoundCloud, and of course. We'll We'll be looking back at the Everton game and looking ahead to the Borough game. Now, after the break, uh, we will, of course, also be looking back at last week's win against Southampton, which saw Costa return to at last to goal-scoring form. And we're going to ask, is uh, Ryan Bertrand the one that got away? We'll see you in a sec. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel... If you couldn't be there, and it's not on TV. Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, we've got uh, we've been on fine form tonight, really, which uh, it kind of helps. Winning twice in a week, of course, being four points clear and hopefully about to win our fifth Premier League title. Uh, we've got the very feisty Alex. Hello. I've been, I'm done being feisty now. We've done the referees okay. and we've done people slagging off Cahill. I'm zen Good. now. You're zen. Well, okay, we've got the very zen-like Alex Churchill. We've got the wonderfully erudite uh, Dan Levine. Um... 
<laughs> who's uh, also in a zen-like state, and we've got the transcendental Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> yep. Okay. Not now, Cato. Not now, Cato. Uh, Andy Silverman, who we were talking to in the break about uh, not making him laugh because he's got broken ribs, has just posted, "You've done a good job so far, Chidge." Thanks, mate. That's what uh, you know. It all helps. Thank you very much. You know, I think I'm going to give up the fan cast. In fact, I would give up the fan cast if you could give me four wins right now. That's how much I want them. Anyway, um, back to the football. Uh, last week uh, we played um, Southampton, who, of course, uh, bizarrely, you may think, is a team that I, I love to see Chelsea beat and hate to see Chelsea lose at. Largely because I work there uh, and I grew up down in this part of the world and a lot of my friends are Southampton fans. Although I have to say, I mean, you know, they are incredibly humble and never poke the bear that is a Chelsea supporting chidge for fear of vast retribution, win, lose or draw. So uh, they're not that much trouble. But um, they were actually a bit of trouble against us. I, I-, I thought actually that they played quite well. They looked they look quite dangerous and I was a bit worried at one all, Dan. I've got to be honest. Yeah, it was a difficult game, wasn't it? Um, and it, it was. It took a while. Took a while to get things sorted. It seemed a long time ago, I've got to say. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, it, it all turned out nice in the end, I suppose. Um, but uh, interesting at the end of the game, of course, to have a, six goals all scored by current yes. and former Chelsea players. Yes, indeed. Yes, I know. That did not go past me. I thought it was just so predictable, wasn't it? I should have put some money on that. Uh, Romeo, of course, who 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 I think was really unlucky at Chelsea, you know, because he actually played really well for a few games. And then, of course, the curse of the fan cast and Chidge strikes. I interviewed him, and then within weeks, he either broke he broke his leg, and then we never saw him again. So, <laughs> Aurel Romeo, I'm really sorry. And for God's sake, don't let me interview any, any Chelsea players ever again, ever. Um, one thing that really pleased me of, of, of anything about this game, Jonathan, other than clearly winning, uh, you know, it's quite interesting, actually, because when I, when I did the Kerry show last week, Kerry called it at 4-1, so he clearly either left before Bertrand scored or just chose to ignore it. I can't, can't decide which. But for me, the big thing about that game really was was Costa, um, you know, getting his 50th and 51st goals. He also got an assist. Um, we all know how much I, I deride ticker-tacker football and want to punch people who like it, but I have to say... Uh, you know, we used to, on this show, as we all know, we used to have what we used to call a, a Guinness moment, which I compared to a, an orgasm in footballing terms. I had one uh, right at the back of the gate of gate 17 when that ball went in. It was a superbly crafted tick-attacker goal with a bit of, you know, a bl- blunder or bluster from, from Costa at the end of it, wasn't it, Jonathan? Oh, completely. It was a wonderful goal. I watched it about eight times. I, just, in, I wow. just couldn't stop wanting to look at it. It was the, the brilliance. And what was lovely was the Pedro's pass, because it was a hazard pass first, which was sort of straight, just a wall pass, that uh, Pedro's pass was just slightly at an angle, which meant that Costa had to run onto it a bit f- further forward, but missed the Southampton player. But I I, I didn't really think that was tick-attacker. I think that was tick-attackers when it's all been passed around the goal hasn't it and taken ages to get <laughs> yeah. in eventually it's got in whereas yeah. that was just that was two two wall passes and and a uh, and a and a big boot a thump into All the right. net 
Yeah, do you know so, what, J- J.K.? You're, you're dead right there. I mean, that, that that just shows my absolute horribleness and bias that you know any goal that involves more than two passes, I I deem as tick attacker and, and not worthy. But you're right; it was a proper. I think the difference between that goal and and, and the tick attacker that I derive, where they try and walk it into the net, and that's the problem that I have with those kind of goals, trying to walk it into the net. It was direct, actually, wasn't it? But it was just brilliantly executed. But it also, but it was brilliantly skillful from from all three players. To be on the ball with that was just... And they all had to have this single purpose, knowing exactly what they're going to be doing, because he's got two players in a row. It was like a kind of... Um, it was like a plant in snooker, uh, a triple plant, you know, where you tick three balls at once and you hit one and I one like of them it. goes into the... Uh, you hit the M1 and one of them goes into the pocket. I'm, I'm trying to be very... Um, uh, on up to the on the ball here because the snooker's on at the moment. Not that I'm watching it. And but, you want uh, him to call you erudite as well? No, far from it. No, <laughs> not at all. I could never have that mm-hmm. uh, that uh, um, adjective. So, Alex, um, I, I, you know, you're you're a passionate girl. I know that. Um, you know, how did you feel when that goal hit the back of the net? It was a cracker, wasn't it? Immense relief. I was actually sitting with JK, and we were just like, "Oh, you was that was that the night that you were having? Was that the night you were? Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought it was some reason I had it in the." Oh well, you come on then, come on, Alex. You've got to tell us about your your uh, night in corporate hospitality with JK. Please tell me because I'm not allowed back in there for being rude and shouty. (laughs) I do you know what I learned a lot because I just I I didn't think everybody in corporate was a plastic. I think, but what I learned was there's different ways to enjoy your football and it was very civilized and everybody was really lovely and everybody really knew their stuff as well there was no sort of plasticky people around there was some daddy bought me a pony slash corporate season ticket people (laughs) around (laughs) who who didn't behave very well and looked like asbos but no the (gasps) the people that that jonathan introduced (laughs) me to were all passionate chelsea fans of long standing and they're just they're like a different match day experience that doesn't involve chid shouting in their face by the sounds of it. But no, I really enjoyed myself actually. But both the people that you saw were um, were in the uh, in the stand with us at um, at Everton. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. really? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they, they, they wouldn't have liked the sh- the uh, the uh, shoutiness then, and the no, ugliness. They were, they, were, they were very they were very lucky in that they were sitting at a part of the stand that had a kind of leg, so they could both sit down and watch. Oh. At least they weren't behind the bloody big screen like I was. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, though, I, 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 I wonder if they were the two... Uh, and, I mean, we didn't talk about this, actually, uh, when we were talking about the Everton match, but we should have mentioned in dispatches the uh, the two young lads who were careered onto the pitch and celebrated with, uh, with, with Pedro... And, and, and there's a lovely bit in that, that uh, the first... Well, the, the, I think it was a lad with a white top on who... Uh, who uh, celebrated and then and then you know turned on a sixpence like hazard and then belted back into the stadium. But what I thought was particularly lovely was the way that Alonso and Matic had, had got in the way of the steward, so the steward couldn't catch them. Anyway, I mean, I know we shouldn't condone people going on the pitch because, of course, it is illegal. Um, but I hope those two lads are all right. And uh, if they're not, they need to get hold of Amanda Jacks, uh, who was I think he's FSF Fair Cop on Twitter, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. A, I love. I love. To be honest, I love moments like that, and I, and it, it it didn't go unnoticed by some of Everton's mob actually, who said, "Fair play, old school." I haven't seen a pitch invasion for a long time, so there we go. Uh, anyway, Alex, back to. Uh, sorry, Jonathan, go on. No, go on, please, please, please. Did you actually see that one moment where 
where he leapt into Pedro's arms. Yeah, Pedro yeah. Was so pleased, but in actual fact, suddenly realised that he was he was gra- he was being grabbed and grabbing a bloke he'd never met before, <laughs> and, and, and slightly threw him off. Did you not notice that? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see yeah. that. But with a, well, with a slight look of disdain, or, or, or who, you know, who the hell are you for, on his face? Oh, before, before oh, well, he was engulfed a... by all the other players. Not in the spirit of it. Um, Alex, uh, you know, they, they are a good bunch actually up in the East Middle with Jonathan and, 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 yeah. I, and I, really did, I really did enjoy my time there. Not that I'm, I'm trying to uh, entice myself back in there. Um, but uh, you get a cracking view from there, don't you, Alex? That's the you difference, do. I think. We actually, the, the, I, think my, I think JK will agree, the best moment of the evening, we had a marvellous chuckle about Gary Cahill. See, I'm getting back on the subject here. Gary well Cahill's well utter done. determination to get to that second goal, even at the uh, risk of completely castrating Costa with yep. his foot. Because he was willing yep. to, to wipe him out by the nutsack to get to that ball. Um, well, I thought he nearly lost his head because, I mean, Costa was trying to uh, to do an overhead right. kick and Cah- Cahill went straight through there and he just wanted to score that goal. Dan, I mean, you know, we talked about it earlier on with Cahill and his, uh, uh, you know, these kind of JT uh you know, aphorisms, if you like, that, that are appearing from this man. That was a classic example, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really brave goal um, and, and uh, a brave performance. And he's, he's been doing so well at those sorts of things. He's he's learned from the best, hasn't he? And he, he is never going to be JT, as everyone said earlier. Um, but he's not a bad tribute act, is he? And and he has no. other things in his game that maybe JT never had, you know, slightly different things. Um, and I'm very, very happy with him, very comfortable with him being Chelsea captain and being a Chelsea defender. You you like Cahill, don't you? You've obviously had a good relationship with him in the in the, in the mixed zone and stuff. I, I mean, and I say this with absolute sincerity, there's a real warmth that comes out when you talk about Cahill. And, you know, unlike us, you've met him a lot. So I, 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 I would take that very seriously. Yeah, he's a really nice lad. The first time I met him was at his unveiling, and it was, it was a funny afternoon because it was, I, I just split my time between the CPO AGM at Stamford Bridge and then hop all the way down to Cobham to do his unveiling there. And um, you know, I, I did the, the pair of them in about three hours, bizarrely. And, and the question I asked, which Cahill found quite unusual, was that how are you going to fit in to, to um, the Chelsea dressing room being a northerner, which is quite unusual <laughs> at Chelsea. You know? what? And he... He gave this sort of strange look and he goes, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it. OK. And in the next two years, he went on to win every medal you can win in football. Didn't um, he do it in the quickest time ever? The quickest time ever. You're right. Yeah. Yep. Um, nobody else has done that. And he's become a real character within that. And, and, and from the point of view of a journalist, and, and everyone will say this, he's always obliging. He's always open. He's always honest. He's ready to talk. He doesn't shy away when the team loses. Um, and that has to be respected. And that's the sort of character I think that is very, very welcome at the club. Yeah, he's mm, not JT, stuff. but he is absolutely the best that Gary Cahill can be, and you have to respect that. Dan, Dan final f- final question on, on Cahill, because I, I do want to bring in JT in a sec, but do you think the club will give him the uh, the armband? I, the reason I ask is I don't think we, we, we nailed that in, the, in part one, actually, but do you think they will? Well, as I said before, I think he's done a, a damn good audition for it. Um, I, I, I don't um, I don't know whether they've got ideas for other central defenders coming in. One would hope they have. Mm. Um, you don't know what level they're going to get them. Um, there's, there are other quite compelling candidates. I thought Aspie did very, very well when he did it at Wembley. And he's a very led, level-headed lad. And, um, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a good option. But I think Cahill's the best option there is at the club at the moment. 
Yeah, I mean, I have to say the the other thing that, that apart from everything that everybody said, I think for me it's really important that Cahill has been there. Uh, he he was he was you know kind of part of that that generation of players that 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 won us everything and you know were there when Roman came and and, and Mourinho and all of that and I and I always think it's very important to have that link to the past so that you can move forward in the future and I think. Cahill does that. I'm not a big fan of bringing, you know, parachuting somebody and he just doesn't understand the culture. And I think that Cahill does. And he's English. And I think, it, you know, you might call it daft, but we are an English club. And I think that's important. Uh, now, Jonathan, talking of great Englishmen, uh, John St. George Terry uh, made a cameo appearance against Southampton, which we alluded to earlier on in the show. Um, you know, do, do you think that might be the last time we see him play in a Chelsea shirt? I mean, he wasn't on the bench against Everton on Sunday. Um, I think he has, hopefully will have won the league before we get into the Sunderland game. Because does he not have to play a few more minutes uh, till he can get a, a medal? I think uh, your friend that... said um, he's done now. Oh, okay, she said. right. That's right, she did. She on, said on, on, a, on a point on. of order, ladies and gents, um, you don't, there is no longer a threshold to do that. The, the, the club have a series of medals which they can award on discretion. And uh, uh, right. I, I'm reliably informed when, when it comes down to discretion, there's nobody further forward in, in the queue than John Terry. <laughs> Excellent. OK. Yes. Excellent. Well, there we go. So that, 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 kind of, that kind of terms the question in a different way then. I mean, do you think we'll see him again, in, you know, playing for Chelsea, JK? Was that the last time? Well, I, I think if, once again, if we've um, won the league um, uh, before the Sunderland game, he'll, he'll bring him on. Uh, towards the end of the game, I, I think he's. It, mm. That's yeah. that, that's really likely. If he puts him and possibly bench. at Wembley as well, if the result is done, maybe give yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. It might be that as well. well. When we're um, when we're six nil up less, with about twenty five minutes to go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have said that was less likely. That depends on the composition, who's, who's fit, and who's available. Yeah, I think because he'll pick a team to beat Arsenal, not to. So if JT doesn't make it to the bench, he doesn't make it. Whereas he yeah. can, he'd more likely to be able to control the situation. Um, with Sunderland, if we've if we've already got the uh, the nine points necessary, um, which is a which is a possibility. But it, uh, if that's not the case, it may very well have been the last time in which he he got a great send off. He I did, didn't the he? Crowd reaction was completely phenomenal towards him. It was. Uh, I mean, it's in- another another it- joyous occasion actually, and he, he responded accordingly. He gave everybody, a, you know, he clapped everybody and came off. And uh, perhaps he th- thinks it might be the last time as well. Well. So. It, it, maybe he is thinking like that. I mean, it is odd, isn't it? Because I mean, I, you know, I, I thought that when he when he came on and when he went off, I thought, blimey, that could be the last time I see J, JT playing a, in a in a Chelsea shirt. I need to like savor this and remember it because, of course, you know, I can't can't even remember what I did yesterday. So I thought, I, you're just aware. You know, sometimes in life, you're just aware of this is a moment. And I thought, well, maybe that's it. Um, well, we were let's, aware let's of hope Branner, we, we? We were aware of Branner. Yeah, yeah. Branner yeah. Branner scored, and Branner didn't even leap off and uh, and thank everybody because I think he was a bit fed well, up with the, you know, the tweeting had against him. Yeah, and one can hardly blame him really. I mean, I hope we get the chance. Yeah. You know that Branner will come back one day, and we'll we'll give him a proper send off because I, I mean, you know, I think I think he deserves it. Um, listen, there's a, there's a, another topic I want to throw into the mix here before we do our usual plugs for the trust and CPO at all. Um, and I've been thinking about this, actually, for a few weeks, funny enough, because there has been a little bit of rumour and chatter about the fact that Bertrand, or Rion Bertrand, as uh, Cheltel famously called him a long time ago, there's been a bit of chatter that he might might be on his way back to the club. Um, we, you know, we need backup in that, in that area, apparently. 
Um, and it's kind of occurred to me, you know, this is a guy that won the Champions League with us, you know, when he came in on his debut, for God's sake, and played brilliantly. He, he, he's got an FA Cup medal as well. The Chelsea fans hilariously sang to Southampton when when Rion Bertrand scored, saying he's won more than you, which is true. Um, he's a Premier League regular and he's an England international. Um, so of all the youth products, Dan, um, you know, that have come and gone, is he the one that we should have kept? Is he the one that got away, do you think? In a word, yes. Um, I think hmm. uh, when when he went, it was it was very curious timing. We just got rid of Ashley Cole. We got rid of him, I think. Uh, or maybe it was the other way around. It was certainly the same summer. Um, uh, and it was it was unfortunate, really. And, and he's um, turned out to be a fine player, as we all expected he would. And he's, he's a great young lad. Um, I say young lad. He's 27 now. Um, is he really? Um, is he that old now? Yeah, Good God, no, I had no amazing, idea. It? Wow. Uh, it's, it seems like yesterday I was speaking to him yeah. in the... The the the, uh, the underground car park of the uh, Allianz Stadium, and he was talking fondly, having won the European Cup, about how he grew up kicking a ball against the sign saying "No ball games" in the Peckham Estate. Um, oh. A great a great lad and a great player, but whether or not he comes back, I don't know. Does he fit into the setup we've got these days? Would you play him in the back three? Would you play him as a wing back? Would he get in ahead of um, one of the others? I don't know. Um, but um, he's. <laughs> It's a real shame, uh, in a way, and, and, and there is certainly there seems to be a bit of a, a will of the club to almost erase a lot of the uh, the the the, uh, the move the the, the the moving out that, that Jose did, um, mm. and some of it is yeah there certainly is a, there seems to be um, a will to perform a bit of a, a factory reset if you like on the squad to take it back to to pre Jose because there is a, a, an acceptance that some of those decisions were not the best. Uh, and In I that case, I can't thing... wait to see. I can't wait to see Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, Mario Stanich, Nardiga Johnson coming back very soon. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I would agree. He he was the one that got away. Yeah, it's a great shame, isn't it? And I, I and I, I often wonder, you know, because we get so much crap thrown at us, don't we, Alex? About oh, you know, you rubbish with your youth, you know, you waste them and all of that. And yeah, actually, here's a, here's a lad that, that proves the argument that, OK, we might not have kept him at the club, but he's gone on to have a really good career and continues to do so. Yeah. I mean, I know people are very rude about the England side these days, and I kind of understand that. But he's an England international, for God's sake, and he's playing in a decent Premier League side. He's a good player, isn't he? Yeah, I'm not having it. We give these boys a life in football. We train them to have a career yeah. in football. I mean, what... A lot of them. What else? What are they really? If they got, I mean, they've been in youth set up at Chelsea, and then say we kick them out, and they don't get another club. I mean, the whole the leagues are populated with guys made at Chelsea who are earning a living from the sport, and I think that's a wider consideration that gets ignored. I just wanted to say though that um, I think De Bruyne is more the one that got away in terms of skill, but. Bertrand's the one that makes me most sad, probably because of Munich and because it really looked like he was part of the, part of things at Chelsea, and then suddenly he was no more. And I think if he came back, I think wing back, if he could be utilised as wing back. But I don't know. I'm doubtful whether he'd ever see it. But he definitely, he in terms of ones that got away, it makes me saddest that we didn't. He didn't get his chance. Do you know what? I, I agree with everything that you said there, Alex. Ryan like a lion in Bayern, Jonathan. Um, is he the is, is he the one that got away, or or, or are we just being well, a bit I, dewy eyed and sentimental? I think you're being dewy eyed and sentimental. Uh, I, I had a feeling you might. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's ever quite been quite good enough. 
And uh, mm. I think he's OK for Southampton. And he's OK for England, because neither Southampton or England... <laughs> They're shit too, aren't they? <laughs> are, are as good as we are. And, uh, can I just say, though, that w- w- one thing we haven't mentioned is huge congratulations to the, um, to the youth team for winning the, uh, the Youth Cup yes. again. And, well said, well said. Uh, and you can actually point out the chances of any of them playing in the first team is, uh, are really slim. Yeah. The Daily Mail have listed everyone who's played in any of those six cup wins in the last eight years and uh, told you which ones never made it at Chelsea just because they don't like us, basically. Well, yeah, but, well, uh, but on, a, on a slightly less um, 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 emotional assessment of it, um, to, to let's hope that some of them come through because they scored five cracking goals against a really pretty good City side. So really, let's hope that some of them can make it. But some of them just, you know, it just doesn't work for them. We, 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 the, the days where you get hold of an 18-year-old Messi well, have never really occurred for us, or even an 18-year-old Alan Hudson, because Alan Hudson, when he played at 18, was phenomenal. And you I was really good as well. Somebody's going, I was good as well. Somebody's going to come through um, who instantly sets the place alight and you know is going to be playing uh, at, the le- at that level for, for the... For the rest of his career, and uh, um, it's unbelievably rare. And you just hope that somebody can come through from uh, this, this guy, um, this guy uh, Jesus, who's playing for City. How old? Uh, how, how young he is he? Just that? turned twenty this week. Yeah, yeah, he? phenomenal. But you know, in some, most instances, you just have to nurture them. Um, and and the way we nurture them is by sending them off to other clubs. And uh, I think in Christensen, we may see that that's actually worked. But it, it, once again, as you've said earlier, it, it depends on if we're sticking with Conte, what fits. You know, if we'd said Alonso um, was going to be playing for us and would, uh, I mean, I have to say he wasn't great against Everton, but he's put in a, he's put in a cracking, cracking series of performances this year. Same with Moses. Can anybody else them? Um, we'll have to see, but it won't be anybody from the youth team at the moment. And, uh, oh, and I'm, I'm afraid it's not Bertrand for me. Yeah, get in there. Get in there, Dan. Sorry, Shoot, can, can I just chip in on the FA Youth Cup? Thanks. Um, I went to both the, the game at Man City and the game at Stamford Bridge, and, and um, they are, without a shadow of a doubt, Chelsea and Man City, the two finest youth setups in English football. And both of them are absolutely streets ahead of the chasing pack. But Chelsea are so, so far ahead of City to win the game 5 1. Um, the, the, the criticism, as you say, is will they play? <clears throat> the first team and I think some of them will 11 won't two or three will come through and there are some really good names you've got to watch in there Trevor Trevor Chalabar brother of Nathaniel is a really really good prospect Mason Mount is another one um Aiki Ugbo who scored a fantastic goal uh Callum Hudson-Odoi who scored another great goal they're all really really sound players they won't all make it at Chelsea they will all make it in football but I think the one there who probably is the, the best prospect for doing well in football because he plays in a position where people need players and where he's really competent is Dujon Sterling. Um, of the lot of them, I think he's the best prospect and I'd be surprised if he doesn't come through, if not Chelsea, then a very, very good side in, 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 uh, in a few years to come. Do you know, that's brilliant, Dan. Thank you. I mean, one, one of the things, funny if I was going to ask you this, but I'll, I'll put it out generally, but uh, Jonathan alluded to this very cleverly a minute ago I think and he's right a lot of it depends on Antonio Conte and I thought it was very interesting that after that match Conte said there's three or four players in there who might well make it and and I just wonder uh, if a lot of this uh, I mean a lot of the problems that we've had I think with our youth development 
um, is is the constant managerial changes. And you were talking about a reset a minute ago uh, from when Mourinho shipped a lot of players out. Uh, you know, if we were to give Conte, you know, a long time in this job, and okay, I accept that they don't hang around like they used to in the old days. But do you think Conte is the kind of manager who will try and build a team with a mix of the kind of kids that we've got coming out from the youth and some, you know, expensive and more experienced talent from around the world, Dan? Uh, Conte is the ultimate pragmatist. And all we have to do is look at the, the 11 he, he has used faithfully throughout the season to realise that, you know, who would have thought that Victor Moses or Marcus Alonso would have been in a championship winning side, honestly, when we signed yeah. them? Well, certainly not me. Um, but the thing you've got to realise is these guys are 18 and it's very, very, in fact, some of them, Callum Hudson-Odoi is 16 years old, Wow! you know, and it is incredibly rare for a player to break through at that age. When it happens, we talk about it a lot. We talk about Harry Kane. We talk about Marcus Rashford. Um, but it is very, very rare. Um, Everton, who had, I think, three of their Premier League youth winning setup in the first 11 yesterday, they won, remember, the under-23s Premier League. These are the under-18s players. There's a massive gap. And people yeah. have to go out on loan. They'll have to learn their trade before they can really play at that level. Can I just... A good point. Just, just one very, very, very quick. I'd... Go on, Dan. And then, Alex, very, very, very quickly, all right? Very, very briefly. This team that absolutely walked the FA Youth Cup, remember, some of them played in the Checker Trade Trophy and lost to Exeter and lost to Swindon this season. That's yeah, the difference good point. in, good in point. standards. Alex, very quickly. Just want to mention how the correlation between when you get players like Harry Kane and Marcus Rashford came through, they came through because of a lack of options within the club. And we don't quite have that because we can go and buy someone. Maybe we don't have the unlimited reserves of a Man United. But those players came through because there was a gaping hole in the first team at the clubs they were at and they made good. The chances of someone getting that chance when you can go out and buy are less, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good point. That's a good point. I just want to very quickly also say uh, the the lovely Sophie J, who uh, joined us live for the first time, I believe, and she's a young lady from Australia, and she quite often listens to the Kerry show as well. Um, but she actually uh, messaged me the other week saying, "Could we do some more on the youth?" And I'm mindful of that. So yes, hopefully going forward, whether I can, whether I get to it before the season's out, Sophie is a moot point, but. Uh, we all know uh, quite a few very good, uh, knowledgeable writers on the youth. And in fact, somebody who's been on this show before actually works with the youth teams. But uh, I can say no more about that. Right. Uh, just a couple of quick plugs before we go to the break. And then we get into the emails and stuff in part four. But as always, uh, the Chelsea Supporters Trust, uh, do uh, join the trust. Get your voice heard by the club. It's five quid to become a voting member or free for non-voting members. But why would you want to be a non-voting member? Why would you give up on the opportunity to vote me out in the summer? Not that I'm wishing you to do so. Um, I'm just being democratic. Uh, right, anyway, all you have to do is you uh, sign up at chelseasupporterstrust.com uh, and that means you can, uh, as I said, if you pay your five quid, you can come to the meetings and the events that we have, vote on the issues that affect you, like ticketing, atmosphere, uh, kickoff times, uh, the new stadium, what's going on with that, Chelsea pitch owners, you name it, we get involved in it. Uh, and, and something close to Dan's heart, travel, Dan, yes? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we've got, well, that's on the radar. I can't say anything about it now, as you know, but it's definitely on the agenda. Anyway, uh, as I said, do sign up. It's It's very worthwhile. It's a very, very important time to become a member of the Trust. It's a, probably the most important time 
we've ever had as Chelsea supporters, given that the changes with the stadium and everything else that's coming up in the near future. Now, uh, the other thing is, of course, follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, equally important in many respects, of course, is the Chelsea pitch owners. Very close to Dan's heart, I know. Um, so uh, again, you know, many think that it's. Uh, there's no point having a share in Chelsea pitch owners. Wrong. Capital wrong. Uh, again, a very important time to carry on uh, and, and protecting the future of the club uh, in an uncertain time, even though, of course, we know we're going to get a new stadium. Uh, but anyway, uh, 100 quid or there or thereabouts gets you a share uh, and an own, uh, share in the ownership of the freehold of Stamford Bridge, which is what the Chelsea pitch owners do. Uh, now, all you have to do is email them, info at chelseapitchowners.com. Or check out the website. Where they're on the Chelsea's main website. And they're at chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. Follow them on Twitter at pitch owners and go and buy a share. You can also do it in installments so you don't have to cough up the whole 100 quid in one go, which I think is very reasonable. And last but by no means least, uh, the latest issue of CFC UK, the last one of the season in fact, will be out very shortly. I'm not sure... It might probably be out for Borough. I don't think it was up at Everton, although somebody might correct me. Um, if not, well, make sure you get it, obviously. Turn up at the uh, stall uh, opposite the uh, Fulham Road Tube or Fulham Broadway Tube exit. Uh, if you can't get it in person, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. If you're in the USA, follow the Twitter account at cfcukusa. And if anyone is interested in getting a... A hard copy, uh, or not that hard, but a real copy, that's what I should say, a real copy of CFC UK, then you can contact Dan Lundberg on Twitter at DLundberg underscore. Right, after the break, we've got a couple of emails, the first of which asks what our match day superstitions are, although I have a suspicion that we could not keep our powder dry, and we may have answered that, but we'll do it again just for you, Jay. Uh, we're also going to celebrate Chelsea Fancast's ninth anniversary, which uh, was last Friday. And we're going to ask what your favourite memories from the last nine years are. Mixler people, get posting now. Right, see you in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Football Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, now, uh, at this juncture in the show, we've got usually quite a lot of emails to read out. There are only a couple this week, but do not let that worry you. Uh, before we get on to that, we are going to hear from Alex, who's going to tell her all about this brilliant walk that she's planning in somewhere very hot in September. Jordan. Yay! Um, yeah, three of us, three blues from the Shed Upper are going to walk from the Dead Sea across the desert to the site of Petra. Um, and we're doing it for charity. There's a charity that's often outside Stamford Bridge called Veterans in Action. And they like to get um, both physically and mentally suffering wounded ex-servicemen back into life and sort of things through activity and sport and things like the thing we're doing and not doing it with them but they do things like weekends away and and team building things and that just to get people back on to into feeling part of something again so we'd like to raise lots of money for them so please give us all your cash so uh thank you alex now i mean i know that you're you're currently in the mixler chat room as well so maybe you'd like to put that link up there and also 
do it again on Twitter like you did last week, and I'll retweet it out later. All right? Will do. Lovely stuff. Okay, Jonathan. Uh, Well done. Yeah, no, she's a, she's a good girl. Well done, Alex. Brilliant stuff. Uh, uh, Jonathan, we have an email from the, the much uh, much teased email from Jai Weston. Yes, he says hello, boys and possibly girls. Is he suggesting that you or I or Dan is a lady boy, or um, is he suggesting that it might be Alex? I think it's the latter. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, I'll yes. go with that. If not, they found out your secret, JK. Yeah, I know. I I tuck it away well when I dress up. Um, Yes, I am a spy. Don't tell anyone. That's uh, Jay saying that, not me. Yes, I am a spy. Don't tell anyone. If my cover's blown, I'll have to pretend I'm an Arsenal fan and torture would be better than that. You'll be glad to hear I ventured out for a game. Saints versus Chelsea. And it went well. Not sure I feel confident enough for the Toffees game, but staying at home worked well for that one. I took my shirt off for the second half and we scored three. Oh, OK. I've tried this before in the Champions League final and it worked. Obviously not in public. Well, it wouldn't seem to matter, would it? You could just get out. Most people do in matches anyway. Um, do you, not me personally, obviously, do you, the panel, have any pre-game, in-game superstitions or quirks that you feel influence the game? Yours, Blue Lee, Jay, or Bob, to keep my cover. Clever, clever, clever. Um, shall I tell you what I do, or should you want to get in there? I think you well, I was just going to say, bitch. but, but, but well, I, I, I've, got, around, I've got, I've got, I've got many, I've got many, 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 many more than that, J.K. But um, I, we should say really that the reason why Jay is saying he's a spy is because he emailed us last week, and because he lived in so many different places, I accused him of being a spy. If you remember, yes, I do. Yes. Um, but I, 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 I think I should allow you lot to all. I mean, you first, J.K. Reveal what your superstitions are and what you do to try and influence the game. I just shout very loudly at the referee. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I am, and the linesman telling him to pay attention to the game. You blind twat! Um, oh, I love that where you are, they'll be able to hear you. They do, they can. They'll be able to hear this little posh voice going, pay attention! <laughs> yes, I do tend to not... I don't say the usual things, do I? So, yes, no. I, say, I say pay attention. Get a grip. Well, for goodness sake, linesman. And you have your uh, football fan voice as well that I noticed you did a couple of times. Oh, yes, it sounds like Bilko from uh, Sergeant Bilko, which is carry blues. Ah! Yeah. I do that one, yeah. Um, I feel I'm stuck taking the piss. Um, now, before I leave home, I, I bury a small piece of cheddar cheese in the garden on which I've drawn um, in, in blue pen. Um, uh, come on, uh, I've drawn a lion on it. And then I sing um, a harmony to Top of the League, which goes, We're Top of the League, 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 we're Top of the League. And I sing that, and then I leave home. Are you naked when you do that? Of course. Of course. And I'm clutching. I'm clutching a, a, a little cushion that said that says on and on the eighth day, God made Chelsea. <laughs> the Jonathan Kidd Mechanical Mouse Orchestra, brilliant. <laughs> uh, Dan, yes. what about you, mate? I mean, you, 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 I mean, do you have? I mean, you're, you're you're very near, of course. I mean, you're in the press box, so you can definitely influence the game. Or if I was in your position, I'd try anyway. Um, but I mean, do you know? Do you? I mean, you're a supporter as well. So, do, what, what, do you do anything that's superstitious? Do you Actually, worry about yes. that stuff? 
No, actually, yes. There's there's only one. I'm not really a superstitious sort of guy. Um, but the very first game I ever went to when I was nine years old, I was taken by my dad and my 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 dear departed uncle David. And David wasn't a real football goer. He used to go when my dad dragged his brother along sometimes. And uh, on kickoff in that game, he shouted, "Come on, you blues!" And every game I ever went to as a fan, I always did the same, you know. And so, brilliant. When now, now where I am in the press box, I'm not allowed to do that. So my first tweet of every game is, "Come on, you blues!" Come on, you blues! To do it in a Bilko-like style, like J.K. does. I well, I, I tweet in a Bilko-like style as he does. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant, Dan. That's great, Alex. What about you, my love? Um, lucky pants. Same mucky pants was that? Did you say on. mucky mucky pants? Lucky, the same pair oh, lucky, of lucky. to every game, home and away. Okay. Why, 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 why French knickers? By the way, because they're just the lucky pants. Okay. Are they blue? There. They're blue. No, they're black. They're black. They're black. And I do wash them in between games. I don't oh, mean for that. I thought you were supposed <laughs> to do that. I thought perhaps you wore them over another pair of knickers just in case. No. Other than that, I can't. I couldn't possibly keep up by having any more superstitions because the lovely John Sawyer, who's my football dad, in the shed upper, um, not to cast aspersions on any one national nationality, but he's Irish, and I cannot, for the life of me, keep up with whether we're supposed to hug and kiss to the right side, whether we are allowed to go and get a burger before the game, whether I have to walk on the left of him coming up the Fuller Road. If I had any of my own, on top of all of his superstitions, my mind would just blow. So no, that's. <laughs> It, just the lucky pen. Wow. Right. Uh, I've already given away a lot of my my recent... I mean, I have so many, and they and they change so frequently. It, it, I could write an entire book about my football superstitions, but just to cherry-pick a couple that I haven't mentioned, um, I remember, oh, about 15 years ago, when I... 20, 15, 20 years ago, and I kind of came back up from Hampshire and, and, and started going again to the games with Dr. Mart, who we'll get a mention in a minute, of course. Um we, uh, but there was a, I think it was before, I don't know, when was it? I can't remember. Anyway, it was before a Man City match, and uh, it, we got particularly drunk in the pub beforehand. And Martin basically bought me, I, I had five pints of Stella before the match, uh, so I was quite pissed and therefore rather entertaining during the match. And then we won 5 0. So, therefore, every week after that, Martin would buy me five pints of Stella to see if the same thing happened. Uh, sadly, it didn't, and, but I did end up getting very, very drunk. Um, the other one, actually, which is which is more recent, um, as, and I've told this many times, so this won't be news to people, but before the, uh, uh, the Napoli Champions League uh, second leg, which, of course, you know, we had to pull out all the stops to win, and then we went on and won the Champions League, uh, I had no money and I, I had no ticket. Uh, ultimately, I, I got a ticket because we sold some T-shirts at the store and a mate had a spare floating around, so I managed to get in. But I had no money at all. I mean, I spent every penny I had on that on that ticket. Uh, so for the first time in years, I didn't buy a match day program, and I have not bought one since. I stopped buying them at that moment because I decided that by me not buying that program, I had clearly influenced the outcome of the game. But, I mean, you know, I, I do the most daft things, as I've said. I mean, anything I can do, you know, it, 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 I get really weird about it. It always reminds me of that, I mean, that heinous book that, in some respect, created a whole waft of, of football fans that should not really have bothered, Nick Hornby. You know, the, the, the book, I mean. But there is actually yeah, a hilarious, yeah. there, is a, there is a hilarious passage in there about, about football superstitions and the, the mad lengths that people go to 
to try and influence the game. Anyway, enough of that. Jonathan, we have a Can super, super email. Well, if you must. Yeah, I was just going to say that I stopped buying them when I realised it cost the same as a gin and tonic. But they put one yeah. in my hand, <laughs> the Jonathan's East Middle, the other day at the Southampton game. And uh, I was, I was marvel. It had all the names of the opposition players and their numbers, so you could curse at them like efficiently. Had all nifty bits of information in and colour pictures. I think it's the first one I've had in about thirty years. Impressive, oh, wonderful Impressive, stuff. Impressive, but did it come wonderful with ice stuff. and a slice? It did, and and it came with a printed team sheet. There was me faffing around trying to get a signal on Twitter to get the team, and Jonathan went, "Don't you worry about that. We get a sheet <laughs> up here." That's exactly how I said it. I know. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> kind of like, yeah. yeah. Email, Jonathan. Email, email. Uh-huh. Time is moving on. Uh-huh. Uh, from Mark Smith. Dear Chidge and the gang. Uh-huh. Greetings all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio. I've been meaning to write for a while, but never took the time until now. Hearing all the great emails about how the listeners became Chelsea supporters, I thought of my own path to blue heaven and realised that my journey began during the 1998 World Cup. Growing up the son of a Jamaican, loving football is a birthright, but watching true football in the States was next to impossible back then, so I was limited to watching international matches and had no favourite club. During the 1998 World Cup, one player stood out more than any other, the great Marcel David Desailly. As a youth, I played, and he possessed all the qualities I wish I had as a footballer. As you know, after the World Cup, Desai transferred to Chelsea, and so did I, and I've been here ever since. Although Premier League matches weren't available to watch, this didn't deter me from being a supporter. I remember catching the occasional highlight or rushing home to check the score. Not being able to watch the matches allowed me to use my imagination and gave the club a sort of romantic quality that I probably wouldn't have gained otherwise. This gave me a sense of appreciation and allowed me to learn about the club and its players. Everyone I knew followed either Man U or Liverpool back in those days, and I was laughed at when I said my favourite club was Chelsea. They'll always be a second-class club, I was told, but I was proud of my blues and was happy not to just follow the most famous clubs. Then... Everything changed in 2003 with Roman. We went from second class to losing only one match and setting the record for most points in a blink of an eye. What a glorious time it was. Over the years, football has been more available to the point where I haven't missed a match in over three years. Not living in England, I was naive to the fact of how powerful Chelsea had become until I went to Las Vegas in 2015. I travelled in my kit, as I always do, was immediately accosted by a British Man U supporter as I got off the plane. And I must admit, it felt good knowing there was some jealousy behind his snide comments. Then the next day, I was on a bus and met a family from England who noticed my Chelsea necklace. And they proceeded to tell me they lived in Liverpool and the father was a season ticket holder with a seat in the cop. Being the cheeky fellow I am, as soon as they told me this, I pretended to slip and fall, drawing some uneasy chuckles. We had a wonderful conversation, and at one point he admitted he wished Gerard could have lifted the EPL trophy just once, which I replied, I would gladly trade one, one of our EPL trophies for the Champions League trophy from, from 2005, as we both laughed. Being a blue over the past 19 years has brought many wonderful memories accompanied by a few bad ones. The pain of 2009 versus Barca 
was washed away by the tears I shed in 2012 as Drogba converted the winning penalty. Watching Drogba unleash a screamer against Everton, JT's miss in Moscow, the double with Ancelotti, Fernando's breakaway, beating Spurs at Wembley in 15 for the League Cup, watching JT play every minute only two seasons ago, all memories woven together with so many more to come. With the news of our captain leader legend John Terry leaving, it made me realise what a golden era I was able to witness. From Dennis Wise to Desai, Drogba twice to Maka, Lampard to JT, I've seen most of our greats don Chelsea blue. So much better than falling back on trophies from 50 years ago. <laughs> I'm so glad I found the podcast. Such great insight. Thanks for taking the time to read my email. Up the Chelsea and keep the blue flag flying high. Best regards, Mark A. Smith. P.S. How sweet it will be to see JT win the double in his last season with us. Proper Chelsea. Mm, won't it just yes indeed yes i agree yes absolutely uh, I, I tell you what jk i do love these emails that people are sending in you know saying how they how they found chelsea i always find them absolutely riveting so brilliant brilliant stuff uh well done jk as always uh expertly done as always what a privilege it is to have the uh, country's premier voiceover artiste reading our emails every week <laughs> And he and he doesn't charge much at all. It's fantastic. Um, anyway, listen, you you pay me. That's right, J.K. You pay me. Brilliant stuff. Um, now, uh, for those of you uh, who who are on social media, it would not have escaped your attention, largely because I let everybody know, uh, being the fat head that I am, uh, that it was in fact uh, the Chelsea fan. Well, when I say it's our ninth anniversary. Uh, the 28th of April 2008 was the first the first time that uh, me uh, and Dr. Mart and an old mate of mine called Sheridan Bird took to the airwaves as the Chelsea fancast. It had, in fact, been going uh, for, I don't know, a couple of months before that or for, for about 20-odd shows before that. Um, I know all of the people involved. I'm saying nothing about it. Uh, it may be a quiz question one day. Uh, but we took the reins over on the 28th of April 2008. And I'm afraid I have to inform you that we are still here. Um, how awful for you. Uh, but anyway, it kind of prompted me to... to I mean, I've got a whole list of thank yous that I'm going to give out at the end. But it, it kind of prompted me to think, well, you know, some people said some lovely stuff on, on, on social media. And I, and I thought, well, you know, there must be some favourite memories that we all have. So I'm going to start with you lot first. And I've got a few from uh, from Mixler to read out and a few that I nabbed from elsewhere. But... Um, Alex, you've not really been with us for that long, so I, I, I shall ask you first. What, what's your favourite memory in the short time that you've been with us? I mean, you did come on and plug your book, I remember, didn't you? And you came I around did. to the flat to do one. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan cast glory hunter. But no, um, I came around to your flat and we did uh, one about the book, didn't we? we and did. Holmes was with me before he took to hanging around in elevators with Jonathan. Yeah, and, that's um, true. Yeah, we, we had a great time. I remember the, I'd drunk quite a lot beforehand, I think. I don't remember one single yes. thing that I said, but no, it was no. very very much fun. And, uh, yeah, Good. it's become very enjoyable pastime. But, yeah, as you say, I haven't been around very long, so I will let you spend the time on reading out some stories from Mixalog because they are much better than mine. Well, what a I would psych say psycho is... Phil popping in from time to time. Oh, no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm gonna, I, hang on. I'm gonna do those in a minute. I just wanted yeah. to say that you are the last uh, of the regulars to arrive thus far in a long uh, chain of people that have been on this show. More of which I will reveal later. So, 
you know, you are a fine example of, of how the, the, the cycle moves on. And we love having you on, as you well know. Um, now, Dan, Dan is, I mean, Dan, do you remember the first show you did? Do you remember when you came on first? Crikey, it's, it's difficult to remember. It, certainly, I remember doing that um, Meet the Press one, but I did a, a couple before yeah. that as well. You did. Um, you you turned up to the bar, the little alcove we had in Putney Station, didn't you? Yes, and that that for me yeah. was the halcyon days. Really, I, I loved going to those yeah. um, those shows in Putney Station Bar and uh, just getting people around the table and 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 the noise of sort of glasses being collected in the background when you listen back on it and, and the bar yeah. staff shouting, "What do you order again?" and "Can we get the the Wi-Fi working?" You shout and stuff like that. Yeah, um, it was really good fun um, and still is, and I'm really really pleased um, that we're still doing it. And, and uh, all credit to you, Chidge. Nah, thanks, mate. But I mean, you know, like I always say, I know I, know I put a lot of work in and, and all the rest of it, but it would be a very, very shit show if it was just me. Uh, and frankly, the mix of people that I've had on here for the last nine years is absolutely what makes it what it is. I was, I was particularly glad, actually, because I know, um, you know, you've got work commitments, which makes it quite hard for you to come in on, the, on, 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 the, on a normal weeknight. And I'm just so glad that it's just worked out that we managed to get you back on tonight of all nights when we were kind of talking about this. So thank you, Dan. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show for so long. Uh, now, Jonathan, um, you know, Jonathan originally came on, a, on as, a, as a guest uh, largely because um, he went to school with uh, Dr. Mart, believe it or not, went to the same school. And I invited Jonathan on the show to surprise Dr. Martin. Of course, the stupid prick didn't turn up. So, so Jonathan never got... Do you remember that, JK? I remember that. I remember that. And then when, when I did meet him, he greeted me with the uh, the story that I'd, in fact, um, uh, I was... Uh, 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 um, you can tell the kind of school we went to. I was a prefect. And I told him off and forced him to write lines. And uh, and it was a little bit tetchy between us the first few episodes. Did you notice that, Chidge? It was just like well, Martin's yeah. a miserable old scrote. I'm not no, surprised in the least. No, but then he relaxed a lot. We had a few chats afterwards, and you know, I, he realised I wasn't going to tell him off and give him lines uh, this time. No. So uh, well, no, it, it was well. I I just love the the hundreds of people that you've got on in all the time that I've been involved with the show. Um, all of whom contribute different aspects of watching Chelsea, and just in a really interesting way. It's just been uh, it's been remarkable. Even the benches, the benches that we used to have at, yeah. um, uh, at uh, when we're in your flat. Everybody was always a, a character in their own right. Uh, it was, um, and of course, and Dan was involved. And Dan then that Dan then became a big cheese by coming on. He, he, yeah. he got uh, he graduated got, coming onto the show, but uh, got promoted. And, and, uh, of course, and Andy Silverman was 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 always in, in, involved in that. You know, great, great, lovely characters. Um, uh, um, God, bloody hell, I can't remember any of them. They've made such an impact. But, you know, I mean, Seb, Seb the other day, who came on, hadn't been on for ages. He was uh, he was uh, um, yeah. another character who was was on regularly. Just, just, and also, I loved all the interviews that you had with... Uh, with um, um, you'd get the odd interview we'd have with somebody who couldn't actually come to the show itself. So you'd have an interview mm. with a journalist um, who, who'd give a little bit of insight into something very briefly. Uh, it was... Um, There's always something happening. I think the main thing... Is as I say the 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 contributions that lots of people can make to the uh, to the podcast from their own angle of watching the game is uh, is fascinating and it's particularly since what I've loved with being involved in it is the evolution uh, of it going with with the digital age going around the world I'll keep banging on about this I think it's completely phenomenal all these people who listen to the show um, who, who, who as 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 they say gives them an insight to what's happening. Um, actually at the bridge and from supporters who are attending the games and uh, and it enriches their lives 
and it enriches us having these stories from them. The fact that they're they're mm. in, in involved um, in a way that you just don't think about. Somebody, I love the fact that somebody in 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 uh, Malaysia is listening to this show and watches the games and and is it, their their experience is enhanced by by listening to the podcast. I think that's completely fabulous. And I have to say, well, it's really it's down, down to your efforts enormously, Chidge. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Congratulations, congratulations, the, wonderful. The checks and the checks in the post. I, I tell you what to pick because I mean, <laughs> if I had that, <laughs> you owe me less now. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know what? What I was going to say, just to pick up what you were saying, I'd be hard pressed to find a favourite moment because there are so many and so many daft things we've done, so many brilliant things that we've done. But I think the thing, you know, when 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 I'm 97 and a half or whatever, and I'm about to turn up my toes and my my life flashes before me. Uh, I think what I will take away from doing this show is, is just all of the wonderful, wonderful people that um, that I've met over the last nine years, and hopefully many more to come. Um, but particularly those that have come from all over the world uh, that I, I've met either by going to the States or Dubai, or they've come over here and they've had a drink with us, or Ireland. I mean, we had Mark and Waylon in here earlier, and Mark's still there, in fact. You know, and, and I think for me that that's what that's what I I, I take away and I enjoy most. Um, apart from one thing, actually, which Kelvin reminded me about earlier on, which I must share with you, um, Kelvin Barker, of course, who uh, wrote Celery, uh, you know, the Chelsea in the eighties, brilliant book, and and uh, Chelsea here, Chelsea there, many 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 other great books too. But I did have a show down in Putney Station where we had. Uh, Dave Johnson, uh, Mr. Only a Pound, uh, Mark Worrell and Kelvin all on at the same time talking about the Chelsea Here, Chelsea There book. And uh, there's a great photograph that Kelvin put on Twitter and they did look like three uh, Humpty Dumpties or three eggs because they're all bald. Um, anyway, Kelvin then said, he said, he said, he said, I, I, I love that show. He said, I, I always remember the start of the interview you did with us. And he said, you said, I've read this book and loved it. Tell us what it's about. And then DJ Dave Johnson said, I thought you said you'd read it. <laughs> 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 Which is classic DJ. Um, anyway, look, we've had loads of, isn't it classic DJ? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyways, listen, I've got loads and loads of posts from the people in Mixler and, and they're far more interesting than hearing me and uh, us lot waffle on about favourite shows. But Andy Andy Silverman says the first show after Munich was outstanding. Rash the Doctor says uh, my favourite moment in the fancast was when Neil Ashton was on the fancast and he was asked about the fat Spanish wanker. I don't remember asking him about, about Benitez, but I'm sure you're right. We were quite kind to Neil. Tell wanted to kill him. It was very difficult for me to restrain Tell from being really rude to Ashton, but Ashton could, you know, he could sense, he could that, sense that Tell really didn't like him. That was the Sorry, meet Dan, the press you're... night. Wasn't, that was the meet the press night. Chell, Chell Tell almost had to be held back, didn't he, after the show? He did, he did. But he also came on before that, Dan. Uh, Neil had done a stint in, in, in the upstairs in the alcove, and Tell was even more poisonous that night. It was really funny. Um, and actually, Rash then goes on. He said he loved the countless Chell Tells tales and the hit him on the head, John. Uh, there's so many. Johnny T, it has to be Chell Tells tales from the shed. Northerners are real people. Uh, Lauren's loan reports, Dr. Mark recording the show in the toilet. Yes, not my fondest memory. Uh, we've got a lovely one from Mark, who I mentioned a minute ago. He says, I've been listening, uh, I've only been listening for a year. That's all right, I'll forgive you. And and a half. And this is a personal one, but myself and my mate Waylon went over to the bridge last season for our first game and ended up bumping into the fancast gang in the cock and had an incredible day. I got absolutely polluted drunk and you all made us feel so welcome. One of the best days nights I've ever had. 
turned out to be the only game we won at home under Gus when we took only to go from Jose. 5-1 against Newcastle. Fantastic experience. I've managed to fly over uh, a further three times since meeting you all that first time. I met Chidge and the boys most recently for the 2-0 against Hull in January. Hope to meet you again for the last day of the season. There we go. That is a, a post, uh, guys, that epitomises exactly what I said about what my favourite mo- uh, moments are. Uh, Rash the Doctor also likes uh, Doctor Man, uh, Doctor Darren Mantle's fart jokes. Yes, not me. Uh, Kurt Plastic, Mister Kurt Plastic says my favourite memory was finding the podcast. Spent time desperately searching through iTunes in two thousand and eight for any insight or news about the club. I found the fancast, listened, and never turned back. The interaction of Chidge and the crew is what makes it. I've been introduced to many great supporters on Twitter since. And I feel as if I'm part of the family despite living across the pond. Happy anniversary and here's so many more. I do miss Chell Tull's insight. Insight? First time I've ever heard it called that. Uh, and I think the christening of the fat Spanish wanker was a great moment. Um, there are many, many more. Thank you all for your great messages. Jonathan, are you, are you squeaking or are you about to say something? No, I've done anything. No, no, okay. No, there was a squeak. I thought you were trying to get in. There's a few that I've nicked from uh, some posts on social media, which I really want to read out, not least because most of these guys have been listening since the the word go. And uh, Christopher Larwood, who's the Blue Roo, uh, says, this is where I confess to being a JCL, having only joined the group uh, in September 2008. Uh, I see many names in this thread from the earliest days when it was a small band of Blues Brothers from around the world, and you got to know... Uh, other members from Facebook posts. Um, I do recall my first post being read by Chidge and how tickled he was to have a listener from Overland Sea in Adelaide. Let's hope the last post of the fancast is in the distant future as it powers on Blue Roo. Eddie Harris, first show I can remember listening to was just after we beat Borough away. 5-0, I believe it was. Uh, 08-9 season, I think. So not sure what show it was. But a big thank you, not only to Chidge, but to all the other hosts, past and present, that have made the show what it is. Paul K. Cannival, Canners himself. Happy birthday, Chelsea Fancast, and thank you for inviting me on and having a good, having good fun. Uh, Beth Wild, oh my God, has it really been that long? So many precious historical hysterical wonderful memories so many deep friendships made and i vote now for you guys for the guinness moment for all the truly chelsea things you have shared with all of us near and far and especially to chidge the demon that fueled this podcast through thick and thin love you now of course beth as you know is the queen of chelsea in america uh, and who's sadly uh, standing down from that role this year but getting married in june and if i don't get a chance to say so before the end of the season beth uh, congratulations and good luck in your wedding uh, Jason Coveyduck, uh, without the show, I would not have met you lot. The 2009 FA Cup final pre-drink at the Victoria, if my memory serves me right. Many great memories on the show. Congrats on nine years, Chidge. Keep up the great work. Uh, I've got a few more. I'm going to bollocks to this. It's our show. We can go on for as long as we like. Um, Eric Morabito says, uh, Savage and everyone who's been on the fan cars has been absolutely a joy to listen to every show uh, for the last nine years. Thank you so much for all that you do. I can't wait to make it back over to finally make a match and buy a round for the boys. Keep it up. Cheers for another uh, nine years. Dan Lundberg, that's all. Uh, we love being able to listen from the US. Here's to nine more years of tumbleweed show titles. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Clifford Blue Yank Ravello, I owe the Chelsea fancast for many, many hours of joy, wonderful friendships, and at least a few piss ups. Happy birthiversary, fancast. And lastly, from the lovely Felix Verran, who I had the privilege of meeting in Lucky Baldwins in Pasadena before Chelsea played Jose's Inter Milan in 2009, says, I was in the first hundred and was so happy to have a podcast Chelsea supporters made. 
Then I got to meet you and Chidge. So glad to see many blues found it as well. And all the uncontacted tribes people listen to. Northerners are real people with real emotions. Uh, not said on a chill voice. So how about that, peeps? What a lovely uh, l- lovely spread of love for, for us and the show. Which is really... Yes, indeed. Right. Marvellous. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slip a sneaky one in, actually, because Bobby D's just appeared from Australia. And he says he loved Putney Station. Had a great night out with you and Canners. He could eat a lot. That is for sure. Canners, that is. Um, so there we go. Uh, right, I'm going to uh, just read out a lot, whole list of thank yous here before we, we disappear for another week. Um, and in no particular order, I would just like to thank the following people who have all been absolutely instrumental in, in making this show what it is. And they are Dr. Mart, Sheridan Bird, Stu Norman, Chris Norman, Phil Norman, Cheltel, Pablo, Ross Mooring, Darren Mantle, Lauren Foley, Mark Worrell, Sophie Rose, Clayton Beerman, Seb O'Mahony, Clive O'Connell, Dave Johnson, Tim Rolls, Dan Levine in here tonight, Kelvin Barker, Rick Glanville, Dan Silver, Tony Glover, Walter Otten, Lawrence and Jason from The Beautiful Game, Neil Spy, Barnett, Beth Wilde and all at Chelsea in America, Chelsea HQ, Al Gregg, Rob Shepard, Get Well Rob, by the way, Alan Hudson, Mickey Thomas, Jason Cundy, Paul Cannaville, Kerry Dixon, Joe Tweed, Sammy Al-Rais, Chelsea Chatter, Charlie Skillen, Yusuf, Al Mary, Michael Roban, Paul Crowder, Liam Toomey, Alex Churchill, she's in the house tonight. The benches, of course. The wonderful, wonderful benches. Mainly, they were, at various times, Andy Silverman, Martin Wickham, The Gaffer, Garfield Bailey, Harry and Raheem, Greg Grimes, Chaz Wright, Steve Hadlow, Martin Neal and Sarah from Football Fancast, and, of course, my right-hand man over the last few years, who would have ever thought uh, when he first appeared that he would take over from Dr. Mart one day? And, of course, it was also his birthday last Thursday, Mr. Thank Jonathan you. Kidd. Okay, the big Happy big birthday big. for last week. Oh, really? Well, we'll move on then. But no, i just like to say thank you to everybody. It's been a real blast, and we will continue doing it for as long as I am capable of doing it. But as I said, it would be rubbish without you lot listening, and it would be rubbish without all the people that I've mentioned just now taking part and contributing of their time so generously as they do. Now, listen, we love receiving your emails, so uh, back on the email subject line, uh, please send them in before Monday, and we'll get them on the show. Email them to chelseafancast at gmail.com dot com and it will be done uh right uh that i'm afraid is all we've got time for this week uh do not forget to download the kerry dixon show on thursday when kerry and i will uh give our reaction to the everton guy ga- uh, the everton game from uh, last weekend and look ahead to next monday's match against middlesbrough um i'll be back next tuesday night together with jonathan of course and uh mark worrell and tim rolls now I should tell you a little bit about this. Jonathan will be so excited about this show. Do you know why, Jonathan? No. Tell me. Okay. We're doing it, well, we're doing it in the nude? What are, what's happening? What's, uh, well, what's, what's new about that? We nearly always do it in the nude. No, um, Tim's coming on the show because Tim is, uh, uh, well, he's written a book called Doherty's oh, Diamonds. Yes. Yes. All about that that early '60s team, which of course was—I mean, I wasn't born, so I don't. I mean, all I know is what I've read in the books. But you would have seen it, so you and Tim are going to absolutely just wet yourself with excitement about next week's show. I can't wait to hear what you have to say, actually, because you—you, as I said, you would—you'd have seen this team play, so it could be going to be a great show, I think. I did many times, Judge. <laughs> so there we go. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, Tim talking about his book and all other things. And Mark Warren, of course, who's published it. So there's a cracking bookish show next week. Uh, now, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, 
Alex at CFCGWLB, which sounds like a some American radio station, but actually it stands for a girl who likes balls, doesn't it, Alex? It does indeed, and I do. It does indeed. And you do. Uh, and, of course, last but by no means least, follow Dan at Dan Levine uh, because he is a brilliant, brilliant follower. And he well knows this. But if I'm not, a, even if, well, if I'm not at a game, even if I'm watching it on the telly, I still refer to your Twitter feed, Dan, to know what's going on. Uh, now, uh, don't forget, of course, to check out the website, ChelseaFanCast.com. And many thanks to the Chelsea Fancast bloggers. Keep them coming. Uh, Clayton's got one up tonight, which is worth a read. Okay, many thanks to my lovely guests this week. Sorry for prattling on so long in part four, but, you know, I felt that we we needed to say thank you. Uh, But in no particular order, lovely, delightful Alex Churchill. Thanks, Jude, and thank you for doing the fan cast. You're a star. Always a pleasure having you on. Well, there you go, as I said. you're the keep everybody in check, what the hell would happen? Well, that's very true. You did call me a lovable old bell end, I think, in the email you sent to me this week, which I was quite tickled by, actually. But there you go. Um, I use it as a term of endearment, so... Oh, well, I, I took it as a compliment, to be fair. Dan, as I said earlier on, it's been an absolute delight having you back on the show. We, we've we missed you in your absence. Let's hope hope we can try and work it out so you get back on again. As I said, maybe we'll do an end-of-season show in a pub somewhere. I quite like the idea of that. I like the idea of that. It's, it's lovely to have been back, and particularly on such an auspicious occasion. And, mm. and congratulations to yourself for, for getting to this stage oh, and for well. the work you put in. Nah, credit's due to everybody. Thanks, up. mate. Yes, I know. We might do one in a pub, Alex. Yeah, I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted. Dan, thanks as always. And that's really kind words. That coming from you, that means a lot. Uh, last but by no means least, uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Thank you very much for your intelligence and uh, insight tonight. Thank you very much. Lovely to be on the show as always with such esteemed company as Mr. Levine and Miss Churchill. Mm, lovely stuff. All right, guys, we've got to go because we've passed our welcome by a long time. We've outstayed our welcome by a long time. Uh, as I said, many thanks to my guests this week. Thanks uh, to all of the lovely people in Mixler. Sorry if I didn't read all of your comments out, but we would have been here for another hour if I was to do so. But lovely to see you in there all the same. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Up the Chelsea! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.